Hello and welcome back to the Red Special Guitar Podcast. I'd like to wish you all a belated Happy New Year and I hope you all had a good Christmas and New Year period. Uh, a little bit sorry that it's taken so long to get back to posting up, but there's been loads going on which I won't bore you with. But we're back and today we have another fantastic episode with possibly the person who is behind everyone, or not everyone, but lots of people looking into using CNC machines for their Red Special builds. Um, I got to catch up with him in the summer in 2021 and it's taken me that long to put it together but it's well worth watching this episode on YouTube because throughout the conversation he's put together a montage of all the different bits and clips that he's put together that are on his own YouTube channel to go behind the conversation. I'm sure you've guessed who it is, it's the man who took three years to build his Red Special using a CNC machine, um, the founder of DSGB.net, it's Dr. Doug Short. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to take the opportunity today to welcome somebody who has helped me massively in the Red Special community, um, especially whilst he was undertaking his own mammoth work on his own guitar. Um, I met him once on Rock Beach and then we've stayed friends ever since and he has a lot to answer for. Doug Short, how are you, sir? I'm fantastic, John. It's fantastic to be here at Stable Cottage in <laughs> Devon. <laughs> At your house. Red Special Guitar Podcast Towers, I'll have you have you know, Doug. It's it's the centre of the Red Special <laughs> Universe as far as I'm concerned. It's really not. No. Doug, it's lovely. It's funny, we were chatting and you've been here a little bit, but what's funny is it's just popped up on my phone that two years ago today, or it would have been a year ago today, the guitar that you and I discussed on Rock Beach two years ago, pretty much today, was completed. And that was the guitar that you and I Put together with your CNC skills, <laughs> my CNC skills. Yes, my meager, my meager skills. Mm. Well, it, I don't know what to say, but it, it it's quite remarkable how time goes by so quickly. And uh, obviously, we've all uh, struggled our way through the unprecedented times of COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's been tough. Have, how have you been up in Scotland? Have you been family well? Everyone okay? Well, yeah, I guess strangely enough, it's just been pretty much business as usual for me. So. Um, I don't know if your listeners are interested. If you're not, you can merrily cut this out. But um, I, I work at a nuclear power station. And for the last two years, I've been uh, working on testing and commissioning our uh, replacement control room simulator. And I've just started uh, another two-year secondment now as a simulator instructor. But uh, the, the commissioning and testing process of the simulator has been was quite intensive. And that, that took us all the way through the, the COVID period. Um, so we had to make a kind of strategic decision around about March last year, whether to, to cut and run with the project or just keep going and testing it. Unfortunately for us, we had a, a crew of retired uh, operations engineers who were part of the test and commissioning team. And uh, as soon as all the, the COVID lockdowns came in, they had to go into isolation. So my, my test and commissioning team <laughs> shrank uh, quite substantially. So I had, in, in addition to trying to manage the process, I had to take up um, quite a bit of the, the testing 
effort myself. But unfortunately, uh, one of the chaps um, actually had a heart attack and, and, and died <laughs> not many weeks after he, he went into self-isolation. So it's not been without its challenges, but apart from that, really it's just been business as usual. So my wife, Jane, uh, works at Edinburgh University and she's been working successfully from home. So in the overall sense, the, the, the situation with the COVID lockdowns has been relatively kind to us. Yep. Nobody we know personally has got ill from it or, yep. or worse or died or anything. So it's almost like it's it's been happening, you know, in the country and around the world to other people and we've just been forging on. Yeah. So that, that in itself has been a bit strange. Yeah, definitely. we kind of living in your own bubble. I mean, we've all been living in our own bubbles figuratively and probably yeah. actually living in bubbles too, but... Yeah, living in a bubble, actually having to go to work and do something quite important as well. Yes, I agree. We all need power. We can't we power. can't plug eighty thirties in on batteries yet, Nigel. <laughs> no. Or electric cars. No, true, and that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> so yeah, you've been you've been well then, and you're very much so. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. And for those that don't know who Doug is Doug has I'm going to plug your website now Doug fantastic Doug, Doug has a website um, DSGB Doug Short Guitar Blog and on that Doug has uh, catalogued all of his adventures in the Red Special World and with guitars I should say and all of the different places it's taken him and different interactions and I'm sure we'll come on to some of those stories and some of those things but it's, I believe it's DSGB.net that's correct yeah dsgb.net so it, it's a deliberately short url <laughs> because i don't think doug short guitar blog is very snappy and uh, <laughs> it's not just about guitars there's some gear stuff on there yeah. so just dsgb.net but it's well worth heading over to have a look at doug's been putting some more content out recently on youtube as well and having a few more i mean the, the site's been live probably it must be close to 12 months not quite that yet um it's i think i acquired the domain name in around about the middle of October 2020 right. and I yeah. started working on it uh, while I was away on holiday on the October half term I think it was pretty much fully populated after about five or six months mm. so we're well the, yeah. the renewal is October so yeah. nine months but it's a, a wealth of information and if you're asking a specific question about red specials or if you're interested to know about Doug's journey post listening to him talk about it and um, you can go and have a look at where Doug has very scientifically analyzed every element <laughs> he's, he's smiling um, and laughing um, all the different elements of things that Doug went through in his own mind in order to create his own red special replica um, amongst other things which are on there like helping myself with mine and helping Luke Howard with his and lots of other interesting stories but Doug as I ask everyone first off in the podcast can you remember back to your first memory of Queen where were you what song was that I don't think it was a specific song, but there is a there is a very specific uh, set of circumstances where I got into Queen, and it, it kind of happened quite suddenly. So, <clears throat> um, as I recall, I probably would have been about thirteen or fourteen. So this would have been I was born in nineteen seventy four. So this would be around about nineteen eighty seven or nineteen eighty eight. And uh, I was actually just starting to get into music generally. And uh, my feeling is that you know, the nineteen eighties pop music is some of the best, probably. Most people would argue in, in the UK and probably the USA, 1960s was the best era for music. Um, I would politely disagree. I think it's the 1980s. Uh, so I was starting to get into 1980s music. Um, and I remember joining one of these uh, record clubs, I suppose, where you get, a, you get sent some random records on a weekly or monthly basis, I forget. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was at... Um, 
uh, my mum's cousin's house and uh, actually the guy I'm going to credit Ian Jackson is my my second cousin um, he was into kind of stuff like ACDC and Queen obviously um, uh, Iron Maiden that kind of stuff uh, so he was asking me so okay what, what kind of and he's about 12 years older than me um, so he'd be in his probably mid to late 20s so he's asking me, okay, so what, what kind of music are you into? I said, well, um, it's not 80s pop music, but I've joined this record club. And um, well, the most recent, so what was the most recent thing that they've sent you in the club? <laughs> Remember it distinctly, it was actually Curiosity Killed the Cats album. Nice. And he was <laughs> horrified <laughs> by my lack of musical taste. Uh, no disrespect to Curiosity Killed the Cat. Um, so he said, right, we need to deal with this. I'm going to lend you some proper music. So the, the two pieces of proper music that he lent me were A Night at the Opera album and A Day at the Races album. Um, so I took them home. And the first thing I, that just blew me away was the, the, the cover designs of the yeah. albums. Obviously one white, one black, the wonderful artistic crests on the front. And you open it up and there's all the... the artistic photographs of the, of the the band members there and I was just blown away before I'd even listened to the music and uh, I think he lent me them on vinyl LP um, I don't have any vinyl LP anymore but uh, I must have had a, a record deck at the time so and I think I listened to A Night at the Opera first and just, just from the first few bars of Death on Two Legs it just grabbed me by I don't, know, I don't know where it grabbed me, somewhere vital. Yeah. <laughs> it grabbed me and I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. So night at the opera, day at the races, um, played them to death, gave them back a good few weeks later, copied them onto tape. And that got me started with, with Queen, where it became a sort of mild teenage obsession, bought all the albums, the VHS, the Magic Years, Live in Rio, all that stuff. And we, at that point, were you were you a guitar player then or was was that something that came later were you interested in just the whole music or did did anything specific about the band like yeah. the sound of the red special hit you as being different or was it more just the whole experience no i think actually at that point the the biggest impact on me was simply freddie mercury yeah <laughs> got a bit obsessed by freddie mercury as i'm sure a lot of people do but no i think freddie was the was the biggest impact there this kind of flamboyant lead singer and the vocal range just incredible um so no, I, I first picked up a guitar. So my musical background is simply I had I did grade uh, piano up to grade two when I was about nine or ten. We had an old upright piano um, uh, at home, and when we moved, that got trashed. So that that <laughs> that was a convenient excuse for me to say I don't <laughs> want to continue with piano, please, mum and dad. Um, and th that was me. So I got a grade grade two, uh, not particularly uh, accomplished. The next time I picked up a musical instrument, I must have been about 13 or 14. I just randomly decided I wanted to play the clarinet. Um, but the first time I picked up a guitar, I think I was probably about 17. I remember it being at school in lower six. So I was about 17. And there was a, a guy in my house, Richard Baker, uh, his name was. And uh, he was, for a brief period of time, a member of the Scottish Parliament. <laughs> so he's a, he's a person you can go and look up on the inside. Richard Baker, ex-MSP. Um, and he had a, just a budget acoustic guitar. And uh, I just decided one day to just, just commandeer his guitar and uh, pick it up. And I can still remember the first thing I learned to play, which was Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. So that was my uh, first time I picked up a guitar and the first thing I played on a guitar. So from then on then, obviously, so Queen's obviously become like this massive part of your life or 
musical yeah. taste early on. Yes. And then at 17, you've picked up a guitar and played some Rolling Stones. It's you, heretic you. And then at what point do you then start looking a bit more into Queen and putting guitar and Queen together? And Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I, I think... I can't remember when I first found out that Brian had made his own guitar, but as we all acknowledge, there's this mystique about the Red Special yeah. because it's Brian's playing a distinctive guitar. At that point, I mean, that was that was before the time that even a lot of the old timers in the Red Special community say that there was no information. So yeah. it, it was it was prehistoric. There's nothing out there at all. Um, so I could see that Brian was playing a distinctive guitar that I didn't recognize, and. Uh, at some point, so obviously doing all the reading in the the material that comes with the albums yeah. and the VHSs and magazines and stuff, and then I must have at some point uh, read early on that Brian made his own guitar. And as you know, slightly obsessed obsessive teenage boys and girls do, they just come out with things like, "I want to make my own guitar. I'll make my own guitar someday." <laughs> uh, and to be honest, John, that was that was the end of that idea until probably four or five years yeah. ago so it's, it's a little bit crazy in that respect because <laughs> obviously like a lot of people life happens and things happen and you go off and obviously you've, you've told everyone that you end up working in a nuclear power plant so you've obviously gone to university and, and studied quite hard and that's been a massive focus for you and you've just said that three to four years ago or four to five years ago the red special sort of phase arrived um, yes <laughs> How did that happen then? Then, because obviously right. you've you've happened across some information, or you, yeah. something's reignited that passion, or you've put two and two together and gone, I I can do this now. I've got the time, I've got the skills, I've got the knowledge, I've got the crazy element in my brain that tells me this is something that's sensible to do, and I want to put my time to. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, you play a part in that, and as to the other guys on the Red <laughs> Special Forum, so uh, I'll try not to make the story excessively long-winded, but um, so. My son Ben must have been about. Ooh, I could probably work it out, um, but I, I anyway. I joined up on the the Red Special web forum, um, trying to work it backwards frantically in my head. It was August 2012, so my son was born in uh, November 2009. So he'd be sort of three ish, uh, three and a bit. Um, so the crazy idea was. Uh, I know, I'll, I'll buy him a Brian May Guitars Mini May yeah. to have a thrash about on, a three-year-old boy. Um, uh, but I do have some pictures of him uh, in his pajamas <laughs> thrashing around on it, looking quite plausible, actually. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I just, whim, um, I'll buy him a guitar. And then I must have Googled something like uh, Mini Electric Guitars. And guess what? Probably the BMG Mini May popped up in a Google search. I imagine that's how it, it went. So then it was just straight out with the credit cards mm -hmm. onto uh, Guitar Guitar. <laughs> and uh, click, I'll have one Mini May, please. And oh, I need an amp. Oh, yeah. well, we'll buy a little Vox VT20 valve reactor thing, ka-ching, and a strap and all this other cables. And before I knew it, it's like 400 quid's worth of gear was arriving in a box. Um, so yeah, so that was that. So we, I bought Ben, uh, it probably would have been the first iteration of the Mini May. I think they've, they've redesigned it. Uh, couple of times since I bought it in August 2012 um, so I thought okay the, the, the premise was well okay Ben can have a thrash around on it I can you know get me back into playing I don't think I had a an ovation um, uh, 
special ballady, a six-string acoustics. I think that was my only guitar at the time. I thought it's about time I had some sort of electric guitar, I think. Um, so I thought, well, I, I can mess around with this Mini May. And maybe when Ben gets a bit older, he can have a thrash around on it. It'd be good fun for both of us. So I bought the Mini May, and uh, like I think a few people who had, who had bought these guitars on a whim, found it was a little bit difficult to um, to get set up, get intonated yeah. correctly, and get the right... I'm not sure what strings it came with, but um, I just, just couldn't get it set up properly. So I thought, no, okay, then um, time to give this to a professional. <laughs> so I found that my local... Um, it was Guitar Guitar in Edinburgh. Um, there was a, a chap who works, worked, I don't know if he still does actually, but at the time he worked out of their basement, um, Little Bob. Little Bob. <laughs> he, was a, he was a big guy. Uh, so I booked it in and gave it to him and said, look, just make this work, please. <laughs> so he, uh, he kept it a week or two and I got it back. And uh, he said, right, I, I can't get it tuned to open E. I'll have to go open F. I've put some quite heavy gauge strings on it and I've had to um, modify some of the the um, the bridge pieces and file them out just to get it get the bridge pieces pulled back enough so we could intonate yeah. it properly in it sure enough it worked uh, but I thought well I tell you what this is this isn't this isn't great this isn't a great situation um, you should be able to just buy one of these things and take it out the box and and just play it it work out the yeah. box you know so um, I think this 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 is only the the start of the uh, the journey but um, I contacted. Um, Barry Moorhouse, uh, Brian May, just sent him a, sent, dropped him an email saying, this is my, it wasn't, it wasn't a complaint as such, it was more an observation. I just said, look, I bought this BMG Mini May and I just kind of just expected it to work out the box, mate. And it kind of doesn't. And then I had to spend, I think the, the little Bob charged me, it was well over 50 quid, yeah. 65 quid That's to set enough. this thing up. Yeah, and it, it was a significant proportion of the guitar cost, which I don't know, 150 pounds, I can't remember. So, um, I thought no, I really should just feed this back. So, um, so I dropped Barry Moorhouse an email, and and credit to the guy, he uh, we were on holiday in Cornwall. <laughs> Was it? It must have been maybe 2013. And uh, he, obviously, I put my my phone number at the end of the the email, and he just randomly called me up, <laughs> and so I explained the situation. Look, yeah. I, I agree with you. This isn't good enough. We'll 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 look at the design of this and try and improve it. I'm sorry you've had to to fork out a bit of extra money to get to get our guitars to work and uh, he said a gesture of goodwill I'll send you I've got some signed pictures of, of Brian um, playing on Buckingham Palace roof lying around the office I'll, I'll send you one of those so he did he sent me this um, nice signed uh, uh, picture of Brian playing on Buckingham Palace roof and a little um, piece of headed notepaper which just uh, said thanks for the positive feedback you know yeah. um, which is great um, and I also thought well I'll tell you what I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll join a forum and just just, just say, look, <laughs> hey, you, if you, <laughs> not knowing who these people would be on the floor, yeah. um, look, if you're going to buy a mini May, <laughs> just uh, uh, think twice because I bought one and, and it, it couldn't get it set up. And I had to spend 65 pounds mm -hmm. getting it set up. And these people are, who is this idiot? <laughs> We've got Guyton's and, and uh, KZ Supers. And who's this idiot joined us and uh, ranting on about a little 150 pound guitar? <laughs> Oh dear. And it's time to go now, right? Yeah. Okay, it's just it's getting dark. Okay. <laughs> no, it's interesting though, Doug, because it's we all have this like how we end up starting to fall down this rabbit hole and I mean yours is not too dissimilar to everyone else's, but sort of, sort of from a slightly different angle perhaps. Um so yeah, you <laughs> you join up the forum, I think it would have been the Red Special web forum at that point. www uh, red dash special.com oblique yep. forum that's yep. the one and um 
you joined up and posted up and and what what sort of feedback did you get at that point was it it was polite i think (laughs) it was polite i wouldn't say it was welcoming but it was it was polite um i can't remember uh yeah anyway um it it wasn't long after that before uh i like tinkering with things you know frustrated engineer so it can't have been much longer before before i thought right i'll tinker with this thing and i'll make it better yeah and oh goodness me um nine years later <laughs> still tinkering with things and trying to make our guitars better yeah because you did actually i think i remember you you posted up you i can't remember if back then you designed did you design it again the mini me completely or did you <sighs> just design the body or was it just the neck i my own memory knows something happened but yeah it it, it 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 wears me down just thinking about it right so the original idea was um it set off it, the, the whole thing just the, the tinkering just suffered from dramatic scope creep really but i thought well okay um i think i'd seen on on a forum that greg covington had actually converted uh, a mini may but he didn't put the trem on it i think he just put three if i recall correctly three three pickups. standard size trisonics that's on right it. Yeah. i thought well, that's a cool idea but i can't recall now whether i'd seen that before i'd started or part way through when i was after i'd committed myself but um i the idea then was was to strip down the the body of the mini may assuming it was going to be a one piece mahogany body right uh, do you want to get that text? Uh, Joe? Um, sorry. Can you start again on that? No. Sorry, Doug. Yeah, right, but we'll just have a little, little stretch. Oh. <coughs> okay, so uh, the original idea was then to strip the finish off the BMG Mini May, assuming it was going to be a solid mahogany body, I could just then stain and lacquer, um, and put the three mini trisonics on it, and uh, put on a knife edge tremolo system. Yeah. Now Cesar um, Beltran in Peru was making all kinds of um, sort of aftermarket bits of kit for conversions, and one of the nice things he did was a little. Um, he called conversion style tremolo, which was a sort of vertical plate that you screw into the the vertical part of the tremolo cavity after having routed it out, and it's got a little uh, fulcrum jutting out on it. So, um, but I, I've got a shout out to to Cesar here. Um, uh, he was very, very, he was amazing actually. He he made me a scaled uh, tremolo vibrato arm yeah. for that guitar, and it, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and he also made three quarter scale. Uh, aluminium control knobs and they just honestly both the arm and those knobs just make the aesthetic work on that yeah. uh, in, in my opinion so really amazing I don't think he charged me any extra money either so you know really a good guy and, and uh, people like that who are just uh, happy to just to customise bits for you um, fantastic I think Nigel used some of he converted a Burns, and he's Nigel's, Nigel Knight's first Burns conversion. He uh, got Cesar to make him a, a custom sort of curved um, conversion-style tremolo. Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Cesar, great guy. I think he's still selling kits and stuff. Um, so anyway, uh, back to the story. So I started, uh, so I took the neck and the body apart from the mini mate, and then started 
stripping off the finish. So thick uh, poly lacquer and a lot of grain filler on it. And then it once I'd spent a good few hours carefully sanding off the finish, I found uh, that the uh, <laughs> it wasn't a single solid body of any wood. Uh, I'm not sure what they were claiming it to be. Older, possibly. Um, it's not mahogany. So, unfortunately, it was... <laughs> I described it as a, as a parquet floor. If anyone yeah. knows what that is, it's kind of a, a wooden floor that's made up of interlocking blocks. So I think it was three, three or possibly four offcuts of wood um, glued together, um, which is fine for a budget guitar, but the most unfortunate thing about that was that they were all, all the wood was different color or different mm. different hue so i couldn't it wasn't like you know four bits of white alder i could have just applied a uniform grain fill and stain to it was all so it was just oh oh no <laughs> that's gone wrong <laughs> right next so at that point i thought well okay let's just make a new body yeah let's just just design it um on cad and just just get a piece of mahogany block and send it away and and get a um, cnc company just to route me out a, a body and take it from there so I did that um, I, I think possibly we shouldn't dwell too much on this story we could be here in, in another hour just on this one one story um, anyway long story short uh, so that was the first piece of scope creep um, was uh, getting a new body yep. made for this BMG Mini May and then the, the plan at that point was just to put the, um, the tremolo system in the three mini trisonics and uh, just bolt the original neck right. back on. And then at some point uh, I decided, or I discovered that the neck, and this is quite common with budget guitars as well, that the the neck uh, for the Mini May has two pieces. The headstock is like scarfed in, it's, it's a scarf joint. Yeah. It's a very elaborate one, actually, nice curved scarf joint, but it's still, it's, it's a two-piece neck. Um, and something about that displeased me. <laughs> and I just thought, well, Okay, um, we've we've gone and got a, a a new body cut. Why not just go the whole hog and just make a new neck? <laughs> anyway, right. Let's let's cut to the chase. So w when the job was done, I'd made a new fretboard out of uh, out of ebony, and the only remaining piece of the original BMG Mini May was the dual action truss rod. Nice. So very much triggers broom of Mini May guitars, and it turned out to be. Very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> because I was using a, a commercial CNC service. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a lovely guitar, though, and it has, you know, I know, I remember, I mean, it, it kind of made you a name on the forum because... It was different, it, wasn't it? It was just, I don't think anybody had been daft enough to do anything like that before. Completely. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> but I think the way you... Um, if, if anyone wants more detail on it, head over to dsgb.net, as we said, because... Doug's oversimplifying his thought process here on how he went about analysing and, and going over things. And if you go on his website, or if you're ever fortunate enough to be in the room with Doug and you ask him some questions on choices and decisions he's made, it's it's not just like how I would make a decision on, oh, that's the easiest thing, so I'll do that. It's very well thought out, not only in manufacturing, but how it's going to then, how he's going to do it, what the process is, how the end result's going to look, even before he's cut wood or, or bolted anything down it's and to, to understand why doug's done those things and and have the opportunity to read that on his website it certainly explains more as to why doug ended up with a new neck and a new body <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, indeed thanks john uh, part of part of that is actually just down to the fact that when you i mean i wouldn't even pretend to be an amateur luthier but guitars it, 
they're, they're instruments in the sense that they're musical instruments, but they're precision instruments in a way that in the, if you don't make them correctly, they just won't work properly. You know? yeah. So um, I think, although I, I have a natural tendency to want to plan jobs out properly anyway, uh, it's the one tip I would give anybody trying to convert, modify or, or build a Red Special or any type of guitar is, is just take your time and plan it out because it's heartbreaking when you've invested scores of hours yeah. making it and this is especially so for a red special and john john's nodding because he's been through the process as well <laughs> it's just heartbreaking when you, you get to the point you've you've glued and screwed the body together you know you've uh, veneered it which is which is frightening for an amateur right <laughs> you veneered it you've and then you, you've still got to route that channel out for the, the binding which is frightening and then you get get through that, and you've it's taken five years off your life, and then yeah. you've got to grain fill it and stain it, and then you've got to lacquer it. All those processes are just just frightening for the amateur luthier. So, to to the, the more advanced you get down that that process, the more the more nerve wracking and frightening it is. You could ruin scores of hours of intricate work. So just just guys, anybody guys and girls, anybody <laughs> who's trying to plan to build a red special, just just read up everything you can and uh, plan it carefully. And Doug's got some more great write-ups on DSGB where he has, obviously we've, we've talked about the Mini May, can, I was going to say conversion, but conversion is probably not the right word. what it is. <laughs> Mini, Mini May creation. Um, and then he's also built his own Red Special, which we'll come on to, and he's also helped myself and Luke Holwerder with, with our own Red Special builds too. And each one of those has a write-up and information and some slightly different media around it. So it's probably, um, depending on how you take information in, there's probably a, a suitable way you can can do that to learn a bit about how to put one of these guitars together but you, so you've built this mini may doug and you've, you've got it and it looks pretty spot on and it looks pretty epic and what's the next step for you with that then where, where did that end up taking you <laughs> yeah. well i the first meetup in the kind of new series of meetups that you organized would have been october 2017 yeah yep. so i think that was the only thing that i had to bring at that point and i know it, you know it, you always say it's it's more about just come along you know it's just about the chat yep. and the people and the stories and the banter and just socializing really which it is um but given that i'm coming a long way from from the south of scotland uh i want to bring something you know yeah. show people and and you know having spent all that money and time doing that crazy project you want to you know, let people see it you know it's it's an amusement um so i brought it along to the 2017 meetup and uh, people like Mike Mike Ride came along and Andy Guyton was along that year yep. and people were kind enough to show interest in it I mean I was I was mild about it I was proud of some bits of it and some bits of it didn't go so well and you know hope, hope nobody, nobody would notice those so I brought it along so there it is put it on the table so people had a look at it I'm quite uh, amused by it polite about it and that was that and uh, Andy Guyton had a wee go on it and uh, at some point on the forum and probably during during the, the, the chats at that meetup, people were saying, well, you know, you, Brian might be interested to see this. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, he <laughs> wouldn't be interested to see that. Brian, you know, has lots of interests, you know, in charities and things, and he doesn't want to see some kind of crazy interpretation of, uh, of one of his little throwaway products that he makes. It's, that's a daft suggestion. No, no. Um, so this this went on for a bit actually. Um, now have I got my timings right. We might have to uh, might have to edit this. Um, no, I, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm still on on track. Right. So um, yeah. So I think 
people on the forum leading up to the the meetup had said yeah brian might be interested in seeing that so th there was also a chat at the meetup um then at some point we must have got tickets to the uh 2017 queen and adam lambert um tour concerts in the uk and europe yep. so we'd um we bought tickets for the, the the glasgow gig at the sse hydro in glasgow and something just clicked i thought oh do you know well i'll tell you what i'll do um I'll get in touch with Brian's people and just see if we can set something up. And, and the, I just thought, well, um, there won't be any chance of meeting Brian before or after the gig. I mean, why would he do that? You know, presumably he's preparing and relaxing and doing what he does to prepare for the concert beforehand and then winding down afterwards. I'm quite sure he doesn't meet people. So I, I just, I wrote off to, who was it? I think it was, I'm just referring to my notes here. So I think um, I'd asked around a few people saying, well, if, if I was to try and set this up, who, how would I go about it? So I think it was Mark Reynolds um, suggested that I just email Brian's manager, uh, Jen Tunney, via the, the, the soapbox email yep. address on the website. So it's quite obvious I could have worked that out myself, but um, sometimes people need to point out the obvious. So I did that. Um, uh, and the, the, the approach I took, uh, so I had, had a few pictures of An Andy Guyton holding the guitar. So um, I just attached one of those to the email and uh, said, look, some people have suggested Brian might be interested in seeing this. The angle I took was, um, can we just drop it off at the front desk? Brian can sign it at a convenient point. I'll just pick it up from the, the front desk yeah. and go home happy later on. Um, so leaning in to you know, look at my notes again. <laughs> so that was probably around the 21st of November so the gig uh, the concert was on the 3rd of December I can't remember if that's a Saturday or a Sunday um, so that's the last I heard of it as I recall until the Friday before the concert when I got a random email I think this was from Sharon Ashley's to a PA um, and it was a it was clearly addressed to a, a, several people not just me uh, but I couldn't see who the other recipients were on the, the email um, so I got this kind of random email on, on mid-morning on the Friday before the concert, the first, first, first or second of December. And uh, I can't remember how it's worded, but it, it's basically, <laughs> Brian has agreed to um, meet you and sign your guitar. Nice. Uh, before the concert. And I'm like, sort of whooping and I go, we're going to meet Brian May. <laughs> we're going to meet Brian May. <laughs> Get your glad rags on. We're going to meet Brian May. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that was that was an unexpected bonus. I just thought, well, how can I make this easy for Brian? Yeah. You know, just just yeah, as I say, just drop it off, can sign it, get it back at the end, make it easy for him. So that was that. So, so you end up rocking up to the gig holding a a, a small version of his guitar. Yeah. You, so you met him before the gig. We did. Yeah. Now um, let me think about my timing. So the people, your listeners might remember the. Um, uh, the was it was it bombings at the Ariana Grande concert in yeah, Manchester. Manchester? Yeah, yeah. it's um, that, was that twenty earlier on in twenty seventeen? It was, yeah, yeah. So um, this was the start of my anxieties with this because uh, the instructions were to to sort of bring the bring the guitar in a little case, which um, you know from a distance may resemble the sort of a like a you know a, a weapon, you know, long arm weapon of some sort. <laughs> yeah, so bring it in and um, a lot of time turn up at this door of the the, 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 the venue at this time and uh, you'll be met and uh, taken along uh, <laughs> to, to, to meet Brian. I think it was quarter past seven um, before the concert started at eight. So uh, 
I, I felt just very, very self. We had VIP tickets, but as you, as you you know you know all that gets you is a couple of glasses of wine and yeah. uh, some slightly nicer seats um, with a cushion. With a cushion, <laughs> yeah. So you, you you don't get access to a VIP lounge or anything. So we're just wandering around. We had early entry to the venue, but still wandering around in the kind of um, that ring around the the SSC Hydro carrying this this guitar and feeling people looking at you and feeling this quite self-conscious and I'm just getting more and more worked up and I just had a feeling this just wasn't going to happen for some reason you know something there was going to be some logistical mess up and uh, it's just not going to happen and I just started to get more and more despondent it's just you know it wasn't going to happen um, so without going into too much detail again um, we, I think I can't remember why but we, we missed the kind of the, the allotted time at which I was supposed to the group of us was supposed to meet and go in, and I thought, right, that's it. Now I'm sort of pretty annoyed at this point. I said, right, I knew it wasn't going to happen anyway. This is, this is a ridiculous, stupid idea. Whose stupid idea was this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whose stupid idea it was. It wasn't mine. Um, anyway, so at this point, um, and again, a shout out to the the security staff uh, of of the venue and you know Queen Queen security staff. Um, there was a lady whose name I forget. Uh, and we explained our story, showed them the letter and everything else. Because we had to go somewhere else, like another building, to get the, the, the letters with the little um, VIP pass things right. on. So we got those. I go, look, I've got these. And I tried to explain the whole situation, what's going on. I said, look, I'm sorry. For whatever reason, I've missed, missed the, um, the going in party here. So can, can we get in? So um, she, she, she radioed uh, the, the Queen's sort of to a security person. And they came plodding along. And we got in. You know, and got taken to the the, the ante room to meet Brian. Um, and I was quite, I wasn't nervous, but I was a mixture of I was stressed. I was stressed yeah. at this point because I just thought this ain't going to happen. And at the last minute, we got in, and it was all a goer. I'm like, oh, sweating, sweaty mess, and oh no, now what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. So any and anyway, uh, in the event, it, it turned out great. So um, uh, there was um, there was a small party of about eight to ten people, and. Uh, it turns out that the so I was just with my wife Jane, um, but the the other people in the party was a, a chap called Mike Donald, and his father, if I recall, was Brian's cousin. Right. I'm, I'm assuming because his, his mum Ruth was Scottish. Um, I saw him on it. He posted a picture on Instagram uh, on the Monday. I think he'd been out and about, and he had a, a Clan Fletcher uh, T-shirt on. So I just assumed his his mother's maiden name was Fletcher, Ruth Fletcher. Uh, so his mum was Scottish. So. Um, he was just hooking up with some um, members of his his, his mum's family. So, yeah. yeah so I, I d didn't catch. So the only person's name I caught was was Mike. Mike um, said hello to us. So Mike's father was Brian's cousin on his mum's side. Um, but anyway, we we just stood in a small room waiting politely for Brian to turn up, and he turned up bang on time, quarter past seven, dead on dead on time. Dead on. Let's get those puns in there. Yeah. Dead on time. He sort of popped his head around the door. Um. And then, uh, so we stood at the back of the room and he just sort of said hello to all his family. He sort of turned to us and said, have you met my family? And went, oh, no, no, sorry, no, we haven't. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who they were. I honestly thought they would be sort of people, local people in an organization or a charity yeah. that he supports. Didn't know who they were. He said, have you met my family? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so he's greeting these people like he would greet your family you haven't seen for yeah. a while. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is slightly awkward. <laughs> so we just stood politely. Um, and then Jane, my wife, said at some point, oh, just, just, just butt in, just kind of, you know, just otherwise he'll, he'll just go and yeah. ignore you. And like, no, no, he won't. He won't ignore us. He knows we're here. Yep. He said hello, right? So just, just be polite. That's just clearly members of his family. Just, just wait. <laughs> so, 
So I'm glad he did. I did anyway. Not it have been extremely rude and very awkward. But do you, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I am? Yeah, yeah. So eventually he um, he turned to us and said, "Oh, you're the guy who's made the little guitar. Cool." So we just handed it over and uh, he had a little strum on it, which was neat. And uh, I just dived in and said, "Hi, uh, Brian. Do you mind if we take a few pictures?" Yeah. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, that's fine." Um, I said, "Would you sign it?" Knowing <laughs> that's the main reason we wanted to to go. So I'd. I'd um, uh, I thought ahead he said planned ahead and I bought a nice pack of uh, metallic sharpies nice. so he pulled out the sharpie and said oh would you mind signing the guitar so he did and uh, he posed as well and we got a lovely shot of him with a, a really genuine smile on his face yeah. and that I treasure that photograph because I've heard of times when you know, Brian, Brian's been distracted or maybe not in the best of moods and he's, he's been I, I didn't want to be the guy who presents Brian with something that isn't he doesn't really like but he's got to be polite about it because he's a nice guy yeah so in the end, he wasn't. He was. He seemed genuinely interested or amused by it. But again, credit to 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 Mike and his family because I think Brian was quite relaxed because he was he was meeting members of his family. Yeah. So I think, although didn't get really talk to him very much, um, he was relaxed and in good spirits. So the picture we had of him just posing with the guitar, um, yeah, it's a really genuine smile on his face. So I thought, well, look, I treasure that picture because you know Brian's seen something I've made and you know uh, he, he seemed genuinely amused by it <laughs> and not just like what is this thing smile awkwardly and be polite about yeah. it um, so, no, so that's great what a fantastic story Doug and yeah. you know I bet if you'd said to Doug before you had built or went about this venture that it would lead you to meeting Brian May and getting him to sign the guitar you'd have probably laughed yeah disbelievingly <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy the way things pan out like that because I think there's there's you know um, uh, Brian's a well-known person and not just in the field of, of music now you know he's um, does astronomy and uh, um, you know his, his his common decency thing and uh, you know he's involved in various animal welfare yeah. charities so you know he's he's become somebody of stature in the in the UK so I think. There must be thousands of people who'd love to meet Brian for various different reasons, you know, um, to present their musical compositions to him, to talk about business ventures or charity things. And kind of, I got to meet him to show him some crazy modified guitar. So, you know, that, that feels a bit strange, but you just got to take your opportunities. And I think the lesson for me is that I probably should have listened to you guys on the forum sooner when they were saying, oh, I think Brian might be interested in seeing this rather than just going, oh no, he wouldn't. That's, that's silly and it would be, it'd be awkward. Definitely. Uh, should have listened. Well, sooner. maybe you should have, but maybe maybe it's better you did it in the way you did it because yeah. it seems like it all worked out. And, and from what everyone else that I've spoken to, whether that's fans like us or even Ariel, who we had on the podcast, she just met Brian at a book signing and they clicked and they've been friends ever since so he's yeah. no different than you or I that he's just a human being with interests and yeah. if he finds yeah. common ground or if he's mm -hmm. in, in the right space then he's happy to chat and talk and find yeah. interest and be interested in you as well and yeah. I think that comes across quite well but indeed is that the end of that uh, that <laughs> little chapter I'll, then I'll probably, probably cancel my bit there but <laughs> edit oh. that out but um yeah so you obviously, I mean, amazing. You got to meet Brian May and present him with your your small guitar. Yeah, I, th I think I was trying to box that off by saying I think they're probably a lot more worthy people no, than me and meeting Brian. But you know, you just you got to make the most of the opportunities. Well, and you and, and you do in life too. You make your own opportunity, don't you? And, and you make your own luck by hard work and dedication. And yeah. 
in knowing when to take take not advantage but when to say yes to something or when to to mm. not and it sounds like you had the perfect set of situations in front of you to end up in the meeting Brian in the right way well yeah and the other thing I, I feel I need to say as well is because I'm never going to sell that guitar on eBay it's not yeah. like just rocking up to Brian and going hey, can you sign this you know yeah. commercial red special and banging it on eBay uh, you know uh, price premium you know I made that guitar it cost me way more to make it than I could ever sell it for and it, it, it wouldn't nobody would would value it as much as me even if I could sell it for yeah. a reasonable amount of money so it, it's just going to stay you know with me and you know, Ben will get it <laughs> while I'm gone. It's just it's an heirloom, you know, yeah. and I don't play it or touch it now. No. It's it's not in a glass case, but it, it's no. collecting dust on top of top of our bookcase. But it's not going to end up on eBay, yeah. you know, me trying to hawk it on eBay for for money. No, well, you you made it as well, Doug, and you know, as those of us that know you know, you you really value and take a lot of pride and time in what you do, and Thanks. you don't, you don't go making something if it's not not right, and um, it would be right, and you wouldn't want to then part with it because it's it's um what am i trying to say it, it's a thing no, no, I well I'll, I'll, I'll bail you out there by yeah. saying I, I don't think i suppose i am a perfectionist i guess we all are um in this this endeavor but i don't think i could ever sell anything because in order for me to sell something for money it would have to be beyond perfect yeah it would have to i'd have to pre present it to somebody and they would go well that's 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 better than a Guyton. It's better than a, a KZ, and I, I, I couldn't do that. So I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to make something and charge not just a guitar, anything. I couldn't. <laughs> I'll never be a business person. Now. I'm great at spending money, not making it. But I couldn't sell something unless it was just absolutely perfect, because I wouldn't want anybody to go, "Hey, that's really good, Doug." But I can. You know, <laughs> so he's whispering to to you know sending people messages, going, "Oh, you know, I expected better." Well, and I think what I was trying to say is there's a manifestation in a in an object and a thing that exists of all of your time and yeah. interest and yeah. and because of what it means to you and that comes across in in everything that you do when you provide information or you turn up and show people or explain it and what you do it's just it's more than it's a bit like the red special to Brian it's it's more than what it is because yeah. it's it's a representation of time and effort and knowledge and the journey and the people you've met and the stories and, and everything else yeah that's right I, I, I don't deny that. I'm generally not somebody who kind of uh, attaches sort of um, sentimental value to things but it, it's the older you get the more you do it I think and I'm starting to, to, to wane you know move more towards doing that yeah. and, and part of that is about the amount, large amount of time and, and effort I've spent making my own red special helping you guys yeah. and I'm now starting to see that, that, that these objects do represent, and I, it's probably more the case with a musical instrument because you just take the red special isolation. If you didn't do anything about it, you probably Brian's one. You'd look at it and go, "Yeah, that's a beat-up old guitar somebody's made," but the, the 60 years of history yeah. attached to that instrument makes it special. Now, I, I do appreciate antiques. I like antiques and stuff, um, and you know they the ones that that speak more to, to me and other people appreciate them are ones with a provenance um now whether it's feel free to cut this out but um our, our mutual friend sean lever um had had uh, one of the original uh, 40 uh, run of red guitons and uh, it featured in the haynes manual book did, yeah. how to make how an electric guitar, guitar by paul barmer, barmer. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
There's a very famous quote by Sean in that as well. <laughs> oh, thanks for reminding me. I wasn't going to mention. Yes, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I'll be buried with that guitar. Yeah. You say? Yeah. Sorry, Sean. Yeah, if, if this if this remains in the final cut, apologies. I, I do hope that whoever the new current owner is knows that Sean wants to be buried with it. So when Sean dies, they can post it over uh, to be buried yeah, with well, him. Well, it might well come with a substantial legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's going to have to to leave uh, fifteen thousand pounds to be that guitar to be bought back and buried with Sean. Um, some tombstone that though. Uh, yeah. So okay, but. It had a provenance. So Brian had signed the case, didn't yeah. he? I think. So it had a, pro a provenance. Yes, right? it did. So Sean, um, it was a nice, nice instrument as well. Uh, and I, at the time he wanted to, to sell it, um, I didn't know Sean that well. And I didn't, I wanted to say, look, please don't sell this guitar, Sean. Not, it's not just any Guyton. It's got a provenance. Yeah. Um, okay, that increases its value, but uh, it, it's, it's the only one I've, I know about. That, that's got any kind of extra provenance other than just being a brilliant guitar made yeah. by Andy, Red Special made by Andy. So um, I, I didn't, and I kind of regret not being a bit more forthright with him, but you know, we weren't, I didn't really know him that well. I didn't want to go, Sean, you idiot, don't, don't <laughs> sell that guitar. Do you realize what you're doing? In three, three months, you'll regret that. Um, so I forget where this conversation started, but it, it's about provenance and yeah. it, th things, objects that, that acquire more sentimental value and monetary value that when they have a provenance. But, you know, uh, maybe you should have kept that. But um, Maybe you should have. If Sean does have another of the original 40 now, though, and he's very happy with it and he, he's gigging with it and <clears throat> he's gone full circle with it again and, and back to another one. But it, it made him realize what he missed. But, definitely. You know, um, anyway, let, let's, let's move away. From <laughs> so... You and I keep saying so. You've met Brian. You've got the mini guitar made. You're on the forum. You've posted up. You've told us all about your wonderful story of meeting Brian, and and we've all gone, ha ha! I told you so. And um, <laughs> what's next, Doug? What in your story? I know there's a couple of other things. Is, did you go full on then into uh, right? I'm going to make a red special replica in its full scale, non shrunk no. in the wash. No, uh, I, I think I've I've, I've gone the full you know the, the full way from, from the bottom and just buying the cheapest possible red special variant you could get yeah. the little mini may and modifying it um i then again i think we, we're looking at now sort of 2013 i think i, I bought um bmg special yep. second hand uh it's good condition and there was a chap uh, in portugal called felipe souza who was offering uh, pretty high-end conversions at the time. So he put, put three Edison uh, Trisonic pickups on it for you. And uh, I'm not sure whose hardware he was using, but he would, he would do a full conversion on, on the instrument. So um, it was a thousand, thousand pounds he charged. Uh, the, the amount was irrelevant, just the number that sticks in my head. But yep. um, so I thought, oh, that looks good. I've seen some of his work, it looked quite good. So I acquired a secondhand BMG special and sent it off. and. Felipe converted it and uh, had three nice pickups on it and some pretty good hardware. Uh, but it just, it just wasn't right. <laughs> you actually <laughs> laughing, but, you know, I, I think possibly my red special kind of gear uh, journey's taken, a, in principle at least, a similar path to yours. It's just, you get something and you spend a lot of money on it and you think, hey, it's good, but it's not, it's, it's not right. It's good, but it's not right. Everyone, I'm, um, it's not just mine. Everyone's story is the same. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's not what you're seeking. It's not what you're searching for. A perfectly good thing, good instrument, good object. It does the job, but it's, it's not right. It's not, uh, and somehow. I, I think that's where the, the providence comes back into it. And also a little bit of, like, I think if I was, like if we were guitar players of the, the natural sort of like, 
sport up, playing a strat, playing a telly, playing the band, playing rock covers, playing guitar. A BMG is an, an, is a fantastic entry level guitar for lots of people, but once you fall in love a little bit more with the story of the Red Special and how Brian constructed it and the engineering side of your brain grabs hold of that and what it means to have built it with his father and then you start looking at some of the techniques and how the guitar goes together and then they, what they made it from that your story I think like for me it piqued my interest almost as much as the sound it made in the Queen and, yeah. and, and what he did which is why I started to fall in love with it even more and I think knowing you it's probably you've gone that's fantastic but i know it's not quite the same as, as what it is well, and what it also wasn't is my own work yeah so you know um for me building the red special was almost as much about learning about it it's like a research project if you if you like a few things came together when i, I built that guitar so I, I made a red special but i've always been fascinated by you know computer-aided design the fact yeah. you could you could design something on your computer and these days you know um with uh, hobby class CNC machines being reasonably affordable at the price of a really good guitar. You know, something that always fascinated me about sort of computer-aided design, computer-aided manufacture, you could make something. Never got into 3D printing, but it's just this idea you can you can produce something on your computer and then go down to your garage or your shed and then program a machine to make it. Yeah. Now, I know that <laughs> this is completely at odds with, with what a lot of crafts people do, but, you know... I've been in engineering for a number of years and um, nuclear operations and stuff. I've got a technical mindset. So that kind of process appeals to me. I'm not yeah. saying that making a guitar by hand doesn't appeal because I, 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 I do appreciate antiques and stuff that's been crafted by yeah. hand, obviously. But it's just those processes that have intrigued me for years. So the Red Special build project for me was was almost as much about you know, analyzing the pictures and the, the, the x-rays and trying to work out how Brian and Harold had come about the design. Because these guys were, they were super clever and very systematic about the way they go about things. Particularly Harold, obviously, who was like an electronics designer like, yeah. like Nigel. So a uh, very clever guy, very resourceful and um, very systematic in the way they go about producing something. So I think very little about the Red Special happened by accident. Yeah. It was all planned. I mean, things went wrong and they kind of smoothed over you know, errors and stuff, obviously, we know that. But it's, it's, it, it was very carefully planned and executed. I think people maybe, don't, even though they were amateur builders and no track record of building instruments, still would have planned it. Even more reason, I think, to plan it out very, very carefully if you, do, if you can't just do it from, from skill of craft. It's, it's interesting because it's something that's not really come up on the podcast, but bearing in mind and taking what you've just said into account and the fact that they weren't of, that, you know, they didn't have a, the reason they went about building the thing was because they couldn't afford to buy one you'd take even more time if you've got one piece yes. of wood to make that one cut Correct, you're yeah. gonna spend even like three four five six times yeah. the amount of time measuring that cut out to get that That's right. right well these days you know when it, it, i wouldn't say reclaimed good quality mahogany or oak or anything is easy to come by on ebay but generally speaking we've we've we've, we've took our chances on ebay and come, yeah. come out with some quite nice pieces of timber yeah but there's no ebay in 1964 no internet no nothing it's your local library yeah your, you know your friends and your friends are your dads and this that and the other and your mates who've already got guitars and yeah, so you've got one table, yep. one fire surround. <laughs> yeah, that's getting chucked out, and there you go. You got one, well, maybe two chances. Yeah, you, you, you can maybe get two, two necks out of the the the, uh, the mantelpiece, but generally yeah. speaking, you've got to get it right first time, haven't you? Definitely, and I, I've not really considered that before in in terms of where they were with it and why 
why it was so important and why they've spent so much time making all of those various elements of test rigs and various bits that you see in the book that Simon Bradley has shown over the years and everything was tested to its almost to its nth degree to make sure that it was going to function before it ended up going on the original guitar it's just like Concord's landing gear yeah. <laughs> yeah. well it's the same 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 approach isn't it it's, it's a very admirable one one we can all learn from I th- am I right in thinking Harold did some of the electronics on Concord yeah I'm sure I read that in the in the book or yeah. somewhere he worked on because I think yeah the story goes one well, really poignant story um, and uh, it's, I've seen it in one of the documentaries and that um was it when they played the was it three nights at Madison Square Gardens? Yeah. Brian, Brian flew them paid to, around. and I think they still hadn't got a lot of money at that yeah. point as a band. But he flew his parents out on Concord, Concord yeah. to uh, to New York for one of the Madison Square Garden gigs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he's, I think Brian said it was poignant because my father had worked, Harold had worked on the the landing gear system. Yeah. Was it ILS instrument landing? I'm not sure which part of it, but either either the probably instrument landing system electronics for Concord. And I think what the like that was the night when Harold said to Brian actually son I understand it now yeah. so it's kind of that full circle yeah. like the, the nice that, end um, to the story whichever documentary that, that's on um, I was nearly in tears Brian nearly broke down on camera didn't yeah, he when he was saying that it's like my father he finally got validation from his father for, for doing something that initially he, they didn't approve of Yeah, and it's like now I get it so no, I, I, you know, yeah. it's very well, emotional it would have been massive as well wouldn't it that I'm yeah. yeah, some some people. I mean, I have a great relationship with my father, but you know, some people never get that kind of validation from their father. Something I've tried to rectify with my children. You know, just my son Ben has just just passed his um, grade five saxophone. I've just tried to, you know, without going, you know, overboard, just let him know we're very proud of him for yeah. that. Um, some we're a bit more modern in our communications these days, but I think in the past. You know, people didn't have great relationships with their parents back in the fifties and sixties. Some things did, didn't go in; it didn't go, weren't said yeah. until after you know whoever's has died, and then you, you're left really? not knowing whether they were proud of you or not. When in fact they probably were. Yeah, well, you didn't have that opportunity, did you? And things were communication and mental health, and mm. and those things were much yeah. more. You know, well, they're on still getting over the Second World War, weren't they? And correct, a yeah, lot of yeah. people there living with things yeah, that that's right. The British Reserve, yeah. best, best not talked about. Yeah, yeah. different times, but. Yeah. No, it's um, it's amazing, really. But so, yeah, you finished the Mini May project. What, what you, you've had the Felipe Souza customized BMG conversion, which you then decided wasn't happy. You weren't happy with. I think at one point you you bought an RS. Oh yeah, custom right. guitar. I've done everything, haven't I? It's crazy. Yeah. So every, everything's got a story, isn't it? Yeah. The, I bought um. <laughs> uh, now then, yeah. So it was an e- it was an eBay thing. This was this was yeah. <laughs> so I come back from um. A back shift or an evening shift. So I used to when I worked shifts, we had a three shift pattern. So the the, the evening shift would go from three p.m. till ten thirty. So we'd come home and uh, you know, have a, a beer uh, or two uh, occasionally, and um, go on eBay. Always dangerous to go on eBay when you've, you're you're tired and inebriated. Tired and inebriated. Yeah, so um, there's a chap in I can't remember. Is it Dean? I can't remember. He was it was in the West Midlands somewhere. Um, don't think he's active in any of the forums. But a chap in the West Midlands, uh, not not Luke Timmons, but Dean something. I can't remember his second name. Was selling a, a RS custom guitars sixty four Supreme. So this is one of Everett Woods creations. Very finely made guitar. Very nicely made um, instrument. Uh, and I think he was he was wanting somewhere in the region of three thousand for it, which is perfectly fair. Uh, price on the second hand market for, for that high end replica 
and um, they don't they don't come up for sale hardly at all. In fact, no. not in not, I don't know how many he's made, but very few come up for sale in the UK. Yeah, um, I saw one. So Woody Thomas had one in. His, I might have even been his, and that was sold literally mm. this week for. So if you would figure out when the podcast was recorded. Mm-hmm. You can probably think back to when you saw that on Facebook, but they really yeah. don't come up that often. But no. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think I ended up paying about two seven fifty for it, something like that. Which I think any, anything under three thousand for a, any of the high end. Well, not Clayton, obviously um, they're different, but uh, any of the high end red specials is is a good price. So like, yeah, just bung it on my credit card and uh, got that. And it <laughs> it was, arrived at home. Yeah. Um, what so, was that like? Because that was that the first sort of time you'd seen a an accurately yes. blockboard built yeah veneered yes what was that like opening the case oh that was phenomenal i mean the case the case is just funny you should mention the case the case was lovely it was one of these um slim rectangular case g and g i think yeah. um uh wonderful it had like orangey colored fur lining it was magnificent absolutely magnificent case it's just a wonderful thing i've still got lots of pictures of it um but I don't know. There was. I eventually sold that on to a guy called Glenn McAteer. Let's give Glenn a shout out. And that was. It was it's interesting how these stories pan out. So Glenn's from Barrow and Furness, which is the southernmost uh, large town in Cumbria, where I'm originally from. Uh, I don't know, people in the UK likely heard of Carlisle and Barrow and Furness. That's where they build the um, the UK's nuclear submarines at Barrow and Furness. So he lives in Barrow and Furness. Um, so uh, anyway, I had had that. I can't remember too couple of years two and a half years um decided that wasn't quite right for me either um i don't know why though it was it's a wonderful wonderful guitar that um everett deserves a lot of credit for making those guitars they really were finely finely made couldn't fault it at all um but i decided when i move it on as you do you i don't have to tell you that so um i put it on ebay and i wasn't really active on the the rs forum at that time um so just put it on ebay again I uh, wasn't seeking to make any money on it. Um, I think I ended up uh, getting back pretty much what I paid for yeah. it. But um, well, I shouldn't say, but we we did a deal outside eBay. So there's, there was a <laughs> that's made on, on careful eBay coming after me. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we did a deal outside eBay, and uh, I said, well, "Where would you live, Glenn?" He said, "I'm Baron Furness." I said, "Oh, that's interesting. I, I'm from West Cumbria." And well, how about I I, I drive down? We meet somewhere well, quite halfway, but. There's a nice garden centre outside uh, Carlisle. You know, it's a reasonable drive for you. So <laughs> he gave me a deposit and uh, a bit of risk involved for him. He, I don't know, probably not so much for me, but I drove down, took my son down and uh, met him in, in a garden centre car park in Carlisle, Houghton Hall <laughs> Garden Centre in Carlisle. And uh, he, he was he was awestruck. I think he was really appreciative of that, that yeah. guitar. So it was just nice to sell it on to somebody who... Uh, who really treasured it? And I think he still got it. Uh, yeah. He follows me on Instagram. So there you go, Glenn. Shout out, nice, nice guy. And uh, yeah, and he, he paid me cash. And uh, I don't tend to deal in cash at all, but I had like um, two thousand four hundred quid cash, and <laughs> my son Ben was I don't know, five or six, and he said, "Probably never see that much cash ever again, Ben." So we immediately just we dropped into Carlisle and paid it into the bank. But that was great. So that all worked out. It took both of us took a bit of a risk, but I moved it on and. Uh, Glenn really appreciates that uh, that guitar. It's always nice. I mean, then that's the great thing. I know you said Glenn wasn't necessarily overly active in the community, but the great thing of the community of people around the Red Special is that in general everyone is a nice guy, and yeah, and it's nice to help people out and have that community spirit. Yeah, I, I don't 
you know, I think Glenn has got a lot of disposable income, so that was probably quite a big purchase for him. But yeah. um, so it's important that I mean, I took a little lamp down and also headphones or something. I can't remember what it was. The iRig said, "Look, Glenn, just check it out. You know, I don't just just give me the money and run. Check it out, inspect it, make sure you're quite happy." Well, he was quite happy with the, with the sale. Yeah. So just it was quite you know it was quite a significant outlay for him. So it was important to me that. I didn't fleece him at all. He felt he paid a good price, and he, the instrument was in good condition, and uh, he's happy with it. Oh, ideal. So, where do you end up? So, like, what's next then? Because I'm, I'm trying to uh, think yeah. of the, ti- the timings. At what one? I'm looking forward to ribbing you about how long it took you to build your own special. <laughs> but um, you then, at some point, you're still active on the forum, but maybe not so much. And then you started building your guitar before. Is it 2016? Yeah. It. It. it w- <sighs> The sort of the, the design and research part of the project was quite drawn out as well before I actually started yeah. doing anything. Um, so there was a lot of analysis of the, uh, yeah, it all gets a bit hazy, but there's a lot of the kind of x-ray and photograph analysis to try and work out what was what was going. Oh yeah, just, just before we move off the RSCG as well. So I, I started the design process for the Red Special replica build uh, while I still had that RSCG. So um, there was always this this banter around the forum about, oh that's that that's a nice guitar, but the upper horn is off. The shape is wrong, <laughs> wasn't it? That was a standing joke. Every the upper horn's off. Yeah. And then the other thing was the the headstock shape yeah. as well. You see quite a few really good red special replicas, including the commercial ones, and just the 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 the, the corners the of the widest part of the headstock aren't quite right. So I started off trying to work out that that was the the bit of design that I started or the, the bit of the analysis that I started I thought right I'm sick of this unhelpful banter going around I'm trying to work out how they designed this thing so I'm getting pictures of and I'm sure I'll use some of the pictures that Chris Mahoney took yeah. uh, when he, he met Brian and saw the red special and trying to work out they must have they must have what was the process they used they must have used circles or something and it must conform to some shape you know a cruciform or whatever it was so I just measured, I turned around and I had the, had the RSCG on, on a stand and I just got my ruler out. And um, at, some, at some point I must have realized that obviously the whole thing is designed in imperial feet and inches, yeah. you know, whatever. So I flipped, the, flipped the, the ruler over to the imperial side and just stuck it over the headstock at the widest part. And it's like, was it three, uh, three inches? 76 mil, what says it? Three inches or four inches? Um, um, Three inches, I think. Uh, yeah, twenty three inches. Three inches. That's exactly three inches wide. Yeah, that can't be a coincidence. Three inches, and it's kind of quite rounded. And I'm like, I wonder if they've just had a three-inch diameter circle. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And I looked at the tip, and it's like, yeah. I wonder if the tip's just like whatever it was, a one and a half-inch mm-hmm. diameter circle. And I thought, I wonder if they just like stacked circles <laughs> together to make that headstock. And the more I stared at it, I thought, that's what they've done, the blighters. And there was just this huge light bulb moment, which I don't think I'd had since I was doing my PhD. It's this big light bulb moment. It's like, they've just designed this guitar just by like using overlaying circles and arcs and lines and stuff. And it was like tremendously exciting. I felt like I cracked the code. <laughs> Not that there is a code, but it's just this big moment of realization. And you know, uh, okay, so you, you, I'll, I'll take, I'll bend over and take the ribbing about how long it took for all, all the different parts of <laughs> designing it, analyzing it and building it. That's fine. But you know, I dread to think how much longer it would have took if I hadn't made that realization yeah. there. Because then, I, you know, 
did the headstock thing and then moved straight onto the body and like, well, they must have done the same thing with the body and the horns must be like circles and this, that, and the other. And, oh, and the body looks, looks like a, an ellipse. I wonder, you know, we measure the cross, it's round about just under 14 inches, isn't it? But yeah, so that was, so that was, that was quite thrilling actually. So the thrill of discovery. Yeah, it's quite an infectious thing. I remember being, looking at, but just when the information was starting to come out a bit more and there's lots of different photos and, you know, I'd be up, all hours of the night staring at photos for for weeks just not getting any sleep because i'm staring at photos the red special trying to uncover the secrets and mysteries that are, are sat there and it, when you finally feel like you've caught on cotton on to something it's so exciting because you're like it is like oh, i've cracked the code i know i know i know something it's, it's i need to now tell everyone and document yeah. it it's, yeah, maybe it's sort of cracking that implies that it was some sort of secret code, but I think it's more about, I felt that, that that was the point at which I'd almost got into the mindset of these two really clever guys that made this unique guitar. It's like, I'm in their head now. I can see what they've done. It's so logical. And then, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, once something's explained to you, it becomes obvious. Yeah. So that was that point. I just, it was this warm glow came over. I thought, right, okay, I've now got a method. I've got, I've got, I'm in their heads. I, I see what they've done. I can deploy it to, to get the, the right design. And uh, I just, you know, then went, moved forward with a much kind of more, in a much more happier place, yeah. you know, rather than struggling along. And it would have been a less satisfying process and it would have took much longer and it would have been wrong, to be honest. Maybe not badly wrong, but it would have been wrong if I hadn't made those realizations and then i remember another post similar sort of theme but you, you came up with this theory about what what they'd used to draw around <laughs> that that is that's a laugh yeah that is worth saying because um that's neither proven nor disproven so i can claim whatever i want <laughs> but it wasn't i forget who who said it i'm going to credit i'm going to shout out people <laughs> matt hutchinson um who's a terrific player he's got a, just got a youtube channel of his own basics basic four, four. yep um, if yeah, so Matt Matt's a great, brilliant player and uh, he's a great builder as well, isn't he? He's got a great track record of building. So does pretty good, and he's got tremendous ear and a tremendous eye for detail. He certainly does. Yeah. So anyway, Matt, um, and whether it's true or not, but I'm going to credit Matt with it because that's how my memory's working. And uh, he had he had mentioned it was just in passing somewhere. It's maybe just one post out of seventeen thousand posts that I saw that there was a somebody somewhere there was an urban myth or something that. <laughs> It feels silly almost articulating it, but <laughs> Brian and Harold had, had, had laid some, you know, laid their paper out on the table, dining room table, and drawn round pieces of his mum's dinner service, yeah. the prize dinner service. And I was, <laughs> I was amused and captivated by this. I, 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 I believe it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether I believe it or not. But maybe they, maybe they did that initially just to, to roughly sketch it out, and then it, once they did the working drawings, it was properly done with compasses and rulers yeah. i don't know um it's it's a cute idea but um <laughs> i'm not sure whether i totally believe that but i did did put a few pictures up on the forum mainly just for amusement value actually of uh i took i got some it's come our own various different bits of dinner service egg cups and saucers <laughs> that are all kind of like imperial sized you know feet and inches things and overlaid it and there is there is a and I, there is um i found a oval serving platter which it's not exactly the same size as, close, as, as the other, but it's it's suspiciously close yeah. <laughs> to the the well. It's around a fourteen inches by eleven. I'm going to say eleven and quarter, eleven three quarter yeah. inch ellipse ellipsoid 
which very closely fits the main part of the body of the red special. I, I think this is an urban myth that's yeah. worth perpetuating, whether true or not, because it, it is brilliant. Is there a post about this on DSGB? There, there is not a post on DSGB. I think there should be. Well, I'll, I'll think about that because I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my website pretty, pretty straight down the line and not yeah. have jokey posts on it. But there is on the, on the, the probably is on Facebook and, and some of the legacy stuff yeah. I put there for you. It's years definitely ago, on the old fashioned red special forum yeah. for sure. Yeah. It made us all chuckle for a while, and I think. But nobody can prove it or disprove it. No. That's, that's got to be the basis of a really good urban myth, surely. Well, definitely, unless we ever get the chance to ask Brian, and then we'll see if um, oh. see if he can confirm or deny the uh, dinner plate. I don't think theory. it's worth asking because no. he's, he's forgotten so much <laughs> stuff over the years, hasn't maybe, he? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so, yeah, you you've gone off and you start your CAD work, and you've started to get yourself in the the mind space of Brian Harold. Was you start to try and design your own version of the guitar in a digital space so that you can recreate that and i think at that point you were posting between the red special forum and the red special library and trying to gain yeah. information uh, from from a few sources and bounce ideas off people and validate what you were doing yeah that's right so i, I joined up matt wickham's um red special builders association forum i think he called it um which which kind of appealed because i think it did the, red, the main Red Special Forum, uh, there wasn't any kind of strong build threads, not much technique. At that point, I was quite interested in the, the technical angle and, and techniques for building and stuff. Um, so I kind of left for a bit and sort of went across to that RSBA forum. I was on that for well over a year, um, just knocking around theories and just I, I posted up, you know, uh, threads about how my build was going and I'm trying to think if that's where so he's a chap in America John Griffin um, who's a friend of Luke Holwerder's I can't remember now if that's where I first came across Luke Holwerder actually I'm going to say it is um, I think John John Griffin was certainly on there um, but this is also about the kind of time when I'm starting to think look forums aren't really where I want to be it's not really the right um you're gonna to have to edit this but it's not really the right uh way of presenting the information i wanted to present and yeah. i think i i was quite interested in in having sort of a pure chronological narrative i suppose yeah. whereas with a forum obviously you post something and then there's people dive in and there's a discussion and it's yeah. like hey i just wanted to post eight consecutive posts nice. about my series of things that i'm doing and it's just like oh, this isn't quite working for me and i wasn't quite getting the sort of I don't know, people, uh, validation, but people, the interaction I was looking for on RSBA, it was yeah. always like me posting stuff and then I'd be like, oh, that's, that's interesting. And people going, yeah, but that's wrong, mate. You, yeah. you need to rethink that. It wasn't that kind of checks and balances, I suppose, of other people going, um, I'm pretty sure that's not correct, Doug. You want to have another look at that? Um, that kind of interaction, I suppose. So it's around about sort of early 2017, I started thinking about doing something different. Yeah. And that's, I guess, um, we've drifted off topic a bit, but um, that's when I started looking for a different a different um, way of presenting information. Facebook, that's either Facebook blog. You know? Yeah, which is very well liked and very well followed. And you started detailing out your thoughts around building your own Red Special. And then ultimately when you started building it and posts and information and, and whatnot, and you did actually end up correct me if I'm wrong, rather than outsourcing the CNC work for your own Red Special, you 
bit the bullet and bought a cnc machine and had yeah, to learn the, right. the processes of that and yeah. set that up in your garage to to create your guitar and then learn around all the different oh, yes. techniques and information and bits and pieces and how to hold hold bits of wood down to the the bent of the bed and and start learning how to cut things out in different yeah different and that, that was a whole other source of of um i don't know if it was a welcome distraction or not again if you're a frustrated engineering type person <laughs> this is there's nothing better than you like just tinkering away in your garage with either your your mgb gt from 1976 or your cnc machine or whatever it happens to be your old mangle or your vintage tractor um so we all like doing um so yeah, that was a whole other source of distraction, and that that machine took quite a bit of effort to, to get licked into shape to do what I wanted to do. But um, when it was, so that was about I think I got that in October twenty sixteen. Yeah, and we're not we're not really exactly kind of following a strict timeline here, but we can pop some dates in. So it was October twenty sixteen when I acquired that um, Stepcraft uh, machine, and I don't think I was in a position to start making anything meaningful until get on for late spring. 2017. Yeah, um, I think my first attempt at making a neck, uh, and then you can there's a YouTube video on this. Uh, I'm gonna say sort of maybe October November 2017. Um, yeah, so around about that time, you know, sort of 2015 16, there was kind of design going on and getting the machine, getting that set up. So it just the whole process became quite drawn out. Yeah, and is it, I mean, I, I rib you for it because it's an easy target but <clears throat> you, you certainly started off with like a blank canvas so to speak and almost re-engineered the guitar how you saw it trying to base that off of how brian and harold would have done it creating that in a 3d space yeah can, can we just dwell on that a little bit because there's, there's an interesting thing that um i don't know you, you, let's see your opinion on it but on the red special so we've we've seen the um a, an original design sketch which is in the book people are familiar with that but it, it doesn't really look a lot like how the red special turned out so there's something in between now we, i think in the book they say that they, they they made some working sketches and they stuck them on the wood and then they chiseled out round the the outline so it seems to me and there would only be one you know set of working sketches yeah. so the bit the design drawings if you like are gone um so what I tried to do with, with my design was recreate those for myself. Because there's, there's, you know, there's a, to go into CNC, you need a strong design. And that starts with a design sketch. And then you work in, for CNC, CAD, you work it up into a 3D model. But you, you've got to have the sketch there, right? And that's built from something. So yeah. um, what, I, what I tried to do, because I felt it was a necessary process to do, um, was to try and recreate what you know, their the working drawings that they must have had the yeah. thing that the drawing set that they must have then stuck onto the wood that they then cut out and just lost. destroyed because yeah. it was it was they chiseled around it um, to cut the the body and the neck uh, yeah so um, that never gets discussed I think but that that truly I mean, I, I'm not wrong in assuming that is that correct that they must have had they must have like taken that original design sketch worked up um, a working drawing which was then quite different I don't know if that still had the F hole on it and then that's 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 lost if you like it's something I've never really considered myself before Doug and I've never heard of from all the various different conversations I've had with people over the years whether or not 
that's how they did it or not yeah um i remember just br- having a brief um message uh, exchange with greg fry about this and um I can't remember how it started, but he he did. There was one quote that again it was just it, it validated. I thought, oh, look, I'm on the right track. Um, he said my working drawings had circles drawn all over them, so I yeah. thought, ah, right, you know, I know I'm on the right track with this. I mean, it, I suppose it's it's how you would necessarily construct most simple objects. Yeah. You know, you'd use arc segments yeah. and line segments. So but he he. He'd done the same thing. He'd probably taken the photographs. He wouldn't have had the X-rays at that point. I don't think. I think they were done for Guyton. Uh, no, Guyton they were done for Fryer, and then they submitted right. them. Okay. I think for for Guyton for, later right. on. But, okay. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting. It's so, so obviously, he he took when he made his, his yeah. three guitars. He had to obviously go through the same process and yeah. make a set of working drawings. Drawings. Yeah. Interesting. No. So you've done that, and then you're you're busy beavering away creating your CAD drawings and then you've got your cnc machine and i think you become more active on the although you've got the dog short guitar blog on um facebook you suddenly become a bit more active on the forum again and you <laughs> you rock up to the the first meetup i arranged in 2017 that's right yeah with your, your mini guitar and you meet mm-hmm. andrew guyton and we get to watch that lovely video which has never oh, been seen again and i so wish you would publish that yeah, yeah i know he's got to get brian's approval and he said that in, in his podcast yeah. but oh that needs to be seen it, it was a thriller. Yeah, it? <laughs> it was. It's um. You sell yeah. tickets for that? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had because oh. I could have bought several guitars for that. But um, <laughs> no, that was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It's such a treat to have, and I th- think that meetup was the first one you'd attended. Yeah. Now I, I want to say a little bit about that as well because you know I'm I, I'm really not a very good guitar player at all, and um, I'm, okay, I can I can I can strum with the rest of them. But I'm pretty much a bedroom amateur player and I would never get up in front of anybody and, and, and play and just even if I was technically proficient I don't think I'd have the confidence but you know from the so that would have been for about five years I'd been involved with you know your community um, and I knew full well there's some extremely talented musicians on there guys like Mike Ride I mean yeah. I remember listening to um, Mike's version of March of the Black Queen yeah it's just mind-blowing the whole mix yeah imagine how complicated that mix yeah, yeah. is just just in you know, the studio mix and he's recreated that just just really i mean matt and even the people who build you know like, like matt and mark reynolds and stuff they're, they're good guitar players they're in bands yeah. you know um so i thought oh, goodness me I, i'm not sure i want to come to this as people are intimidating you know <laughs> uh intimidatingly good musicians and builders and I'm like, nobody i was like oh my goodness um but i, I plucked up the courage to come and I'm glad I did because it was just great. It was it, it, you get that warm. We we you know um, you've experienced it. You get a warm glow from yeah. being with like-minded people. And I've got to say, if anybody feels a bit like me, that in a bit of trepidation, they fancy coming along to one of these meetups in 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 Reading, but they may be a little bit intimidated. Just just don't be right. <laughs> Everybody was really friendly and welcoming with me, even though I'm just no, I can't play the guitar very well. And at that point, I just made a, a, a you know a fairly daft creation. But you know, everybody's really friendly, and it is it is about um, banter and socialising, and you know, we, people can do bring gear as well. Yeah. Um, so there's a chance to see nice gear, and I will always try to bring stuff I've made just to show it off, because um, I'm but all the gear, no idea. <laughs> uh, but if you, you know, people have got good gear, should bring it, and, and you, yeah. people can see it. But it, it, it's it's just a social event, and people are friendly and welcoming. Nobody's judging anybody else's builds or work or playing or anything we're all there for the same reason i think and yeah. that's the love yeah. of the guitar and you know what a fantastic thing to have in the world is a place where it doesn't matter whether you can play or not or whether you're a builder yeah. or a, mm-hmm. just an avid queen fan or you love 
people of Badgers or, or Brian May, you can come along and you're in a room full of people that mm. appreciate you for who you are yeah. and, and what you believe in. And it, what I like about them as well is a lot of this kit that we talk about, you can't purchase in a shop. You cannot go to your local music center and buy a treble booster and a Vox AC30 and whack it up full volume and go, I like that one because they're just not there. But at the meetup, you have pretty much most years, almost every type of bit of kit Brian's used and you can listen to it and go, oh, I really like that. And it kind of gives you that opportunity to hear it for yourself and hear the things that we then talk about. And most importantly, it breaks down the barriers of the written communication that can often be misread on forums. Oh, absolutely, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it's strange, that, isn't it? You can say something... Yeah, have a bit of a poke at somebody. It's totally innocent. It's taken the wrong way yeah. on a forum, and then, but you know, in the bar of the Calcot at eleven o'clock at night, after a few beers, it, it, everybody's just falling about laughing. Yeah. So you know, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a great thing, really. And I mean, I'm so glad you came. I remember having a chat with you. You are still using your your wife's handle on Facebook at that point. That's right. Yeah, I, I dipped a toe in the water of yeah. Facebook. You you were um, complaining about the length of distance it was, and I think I, I was probably a bit frustrated, and I said, well, I'm, yeah. I don't even book it when near where I live. Yeah. I've got to drive for three hours to get there. What do you think's in it for me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know, yeah, forgetting that. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually, this guy from Devon that buys and sells all these gear, <laughs> is, it's quite a long way for him, too. <laughs> but, yeah. but no, it's, um, no, it's a great thing. I'm so glad you came, because I, immediately you could see with yourself that, like, I wouldn't say it was like a light bulb moment, but you're in a room surrounded by people and you felt comfortable and you became part of the forum. You know, you come to the meetup and instantly you become more part of the forum because you're a known person now. Yeah, it, it, it's it's no um, you know, no joke to say after that. I, I felt that that first, that coming that first meetup was life-changing. It's probably a bit, a, bit, a bit much, but a bit strong. But it was, I just went home and like elated. I yeah. think we all did, didn't we? It was like, there wasn't much happening at that meetup. You know, no. there, there was a bit of a scratch band thing. But I, I mean, I was just pleased to, to see, to meet you guys in person. To, I mean, and, and the highlight, I think, from a, from a gear perspective, is Andy Guyton came. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Andy Guyton. And he's brought, he's brought some, like, he's brought Brian's, three of Brian's guitars. Mm, one of people, Brian's guitars. Yeah, the Badger's guitar, yeah. I'm like, this just this pokey little meet. It was like twenty of us in this yeah. village hall, and it's Andy guy, it's just Brian May's guitars. <laughs> wow! But, yeah, but again, it, people were just really friendly, and it's, yeah. I went home like you know, cloud nine. It yeah. was, was elated. It was amazing. It's great fun, isn't it? Yes, and it energizes you to carry on yeah. with these projects. That yeah, definitely. And then you you started on your. I think chronologically, you then started on your build because I remember, like, I think probably from the excitement and elation of the forum, you then. Or the meetup, you've gone home and you started cutting stuff out on your CNC machine and um, practicing and, and tooling up and, and getting the woods. And I know you made your own block board because mm. you can't buy the size of block board that you wanted to make it with. And yeah, that's right. You started posting up all of this information, and I just spent hours pouring over. I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> it was me. One person, that one. Oh, thanks, John. <laughs> no, because I mean, it's just so interesting looking at it from someone else's perspective. Mm. and some of the challenges that we've had in the forum purchasing blockboard you mean you can only buy like 18 mil blockboard and it was horrendous um and that was what was available so that's what people used to do and then they like triple veneer it to try and get it the right thickness and all of those things and you just gone actually if i'm going to make it i'm going to make it completely and i'm going to make what i need it to be so that i've got it that's right and how much blockboard did you make for your build Jeff? never you mind though <laughs> <laughs> uh, chewed up uh, sorry uh, i'd like to go on record saying uh, my cnc machine chewed up um quite a few pieces of the blockboard john made for his build well, it's, uh, it's a very hungry cnc machine that day it was yeah but you got some good practice in making blockboard. i did um yes i did <laughs> 
No, but it's it's part of it, isn't it? It's all part of the story of your guitar. Well, yeah, I think uh, I bought some quite expensive spruce wood for the center of that block board. And it's the kind of wood that's really intended for uh, bracing bars and acoustic um, guitars. Uh, but I decided I wanted, with all this effort, I don't want to just put, you know, big shed DIY store. Not that there's anything actually wrong with that. If you pick and choose amongst the, yeah. the white timber in a DIY store, you can actually get some nice nice stuff, not, not bowed and not splintered yeah. and nice grain. So I'm not, not disrespecting that. That's probably the way for, for, you should do it because you know, 60s blockboard was not, it was fit for purpose, yeah. but it's not, not a quality item in the sense it's going to be used for making a guitar yeah. or any other type of musical instrument. But I decided I wanted top-notch uh, wood in that blockboard. And I think the main reason for that was I was quite paranoid about it bowing i mean when you know you've made it when it's it's so solid isn't it that was that was a you know, yeah. that was a quite an ignorant thought really because there's no way you know it's once you've sandwiched it and compressed it and it's, that, that wouldn't dry it is so solid but i was just concerned when it was cut you're not left with actually very much are you no you're not i was di quite concerned if i if i didn't use really nice aged wood with nice nice tight graining in that in that the core of the block board it might somehow warp um, so it's another one of these things I've over-engineered uh, out of ignorance, I suppose, but to try and insure myself against having problems like three years down the line with the whole thing just the veneers splitting, which hasn't happened, thankfully. But <laughs> no, it's because I, I don't play it very much. But you know, it, it's it's not warping itself to bits after yeah. three or four years. Well, and um, it's it's looking at the problem with what you've got, and if you're going to go to the length and breadth of actually making blockboard, you might as well look into blockboard construction and try and make it the best you can because you don't want it to foot, <laughs> to go to all that effort and then that bit the reason Quite, that, it, yeah. that it fails and i think the thing, certainly I mean, this project's taught me a lot of things but it's taught me quite a respect for wood uh, being um a natural material and you shouldn't waste it and, yeah. I, and now i'm a bit of a, a chucker away of things i don't like clutter so uh, things that i might i think are not useful uh, I'll, in the past i've tended to recycle or get rid of them yeah. but and now i keep all my scrap timber yeah and i've used so much scrap timber for for practice you know staining things and drilling things and <laughs> carving things that um so it's taught me a bit of a more of a respect for wood yeah in all its forms both you know engineered timber and uh slabs of lovely mahogany yes and so you're you're building your own guitar and at some point somehow and we think we know how um a gentleman from phoenix arizona gets in touch with you about the potential for maybe you helping him with his own build, his own dream of owning the Red Special. He doesn't want to buy one because, as we all know from listening to Luke and Luke's work from various different elements, Luke's kind of a do it yourself and do it do it right because you can't trust anyone else. And Doug, all credit to you, you're not even finished with your build and you're sort of helping Luke out all the way across the states. Yes, Luke worms his way into a lot of things, doesn't he? He's a great guy, great guy. Um, Yes, <laughs> random guy from Arizona. Uh, and I figured this might happen at some point. People just, you, you see what you're doing. You post on forums and random people start asking you for help. And you think, well, oh, sorry, I'd love to help you, but I don't want to. No, I'd love to help you, but it's like <laughs> just some random person. Yeah. You know, you know 5,000 miles away and you might be an idiot and you might, it might be this and you might, you know. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's just something about the way Luke approached me. It was intelligent. And I thought, nah, actually, this... This guy seems like the real deal. Yeah, well, see what see where this goes. And I think it, it you know, so he had a plan. And the plan was to go to, to, to you know, to, to sign up for some um, woodworking lessons at a local uh, community workshop, a makerspace in Phoenix. Yeah. And um, they had a big, big, 
you know, large uh, footprint shop bot, an eight, eight by four, maybe? Yeah, large, right. yeah, large yeah. footprint industrial uh, shop bot machines. I thought, hey, this sounds like a cute idea. So, you know, um, this guy sounds resourceful. He's got a plan. And I quite, I was, I was quite taken and intrigued by the idea of, of somebody making like a twin, not quite a clone, but, you know, the, their interpretation of my design as it existed at the yeah. time, you know, somewhere halfway around the world. Yeah. So I thought, ah, oh, well, give us a shot. <laughs> Glad I did, because, uh, yeah, uh, Luke's, yeah, he made the most of that for, for sure. And um, so John's already referred a few times to um, uh, my involvement with his and Luke's builds. But uh, on my website, so there's a couple of pages under um, a drop-down menu called Collaborate. And um, just just spend a couple of minutes on this. So the section on my, um, my Red Special build is quite involved it's quite technical very right? yep so and that's that now um i want so so luke's presented his his build in a more entertaining way so he's got this series of 13 um short maybe like sort of three minutes kind yep. of thing ish um videos and and luke's luke's i don't know what he calls himself he's an audiovisual artist he makes films and he was in a band um Quite CD. It's just quite nice. Yeah. Uh, quite, it's quite very professional. He does lo- yeah. lots of things very well, as we both remark. He certainly does. Um, so he's made these prof- thirteen um, really professionally made, very entertaining. But they're also they're he's managed to uh, convey all the processes involved with making the guitar, but in an entertaining way. So if you want to, I'd recommend you watch them. There's an embedded video on the collaborate section of my website for each of his his videos. Uh, obviously on YouTube. Um, and he's got his own Facebook uh, guitar build um, page still. Uh, um, so his his videos present how to make a red special in an entertaining way, Definitely. right? So and the the page on the under collaborate for for, for your build um, try to present it in a different way. It's more lighthearted. It's not technical in any way. <laughs> so as John alluded to earlier in the podcast, if he doesn't if he doesn't cut it out, you've got. Go and have a look, because um, you've you've got all the. I do things my way, and yep. it's tremendously detailed. And there's the pictures are not particularly um, they're not um, artistic. They're just this, it's a factual process. You've got Luke's way of putting things, which is entertaining, and uh, he's he's got some nice little Easter eggs in there. His little dogs appear yeah. in there. It's brilliant, actually, really brilliant. Poncho. It's totally different. I've never seen anybody do anything like that before, <clears throat> so it's worth worth shouting about. Um, when it's it's such a you know testament to, to to luke's videos i explain some of the more tricky processes to explain in either written communication or through plans in the very visual thing we go ah that's how it works it's he's done a great job of ex- that sort of explanation of a very difficult to grasp concepts so if you're new to this and you, you don't quite understand some of the written plans certainly watching one of luke's videos on how the knife edge and tremolo works still the knife edge tremolo system works kind of explains it very quickly in about three minutes and you go ah so that's how it works mm-hmm. yes <laughs> <laughs> so I've had a we go um the last few months of uh, at producing some youtube videos and let me tell you it's not easy it's no. not as easy as it looks and go and have a look and you'll you'll, you'll realize <laughs> how, how not easy it is so um i've put a few videos out there so I'm, i've got another one planned don't know if I, when i'll get it out but i'm gonna um 
basically I've, I've still got a piece of John's block board from his build <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to veneer it and I'm going to grain fill it you're going to make me another guitar Doug mm, no, I might make <laughs> another neck I'll make another neck but no, not whole. so I'm going to record a, a video with I suppose it's an instructional isn't it so do a bit of narrative and I'm just going to show you how to um, veneer the block board grain fill it uh, stain it and then I'm going to just show you how to work with rustins make up the rustins yep stain uh, dye the rustins um maybe we'll come on to that a bit later um if we've got time but um you can use um a, a powder dye to stain the rustins and I, I use that to repair part of my neck with a mahogany yeah. it's quite red but um i think you've learned from the, the process of getting your time warp special john that um Brian stained the rustins, clear rustins, black. black. You did, yep. And and used that to to coat the fretboards. That's so, right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I've, I've done a little, I suppose, instructional video on um, the one with the fretboard marker dots, and I'll show you a couple of techniques yeah. for staining. Um, one of them's black super glue, actually. The other one's just using a, um, a spirit dye. Neither of those that Brian actually did, but uh, I'll I'll try and cover the. Um, the, the use of rustins and the, and the dyeing the rustins in that uh, that video yeah that'd be a good one to watch out for it might well already be out by the time the podcast comes out just because of my slow editing skills um, and if it is we'll put a link to it so go and check it out either look forward to it or go and find it go and laugh at it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you've, de you've decided to help Luke and, and much to your own detriment in a way because you're on your own journey building your own red special and then you've passed over some information to Luke and Luke's kind of cracked on and within a a bit of a shorter space of time taking your information and and finished his guitar well i think yeah 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 uh, he had a bit more time to devote to it um like i was still working shifts at yeah. the time so just another thing as well I, I um up until just over two years ago i was working shift operations until middle of april 2019 so um obviously you get program rest days in a five-week cycle but i made a um a pact with myself not to work on my guitar when i was either tired yeah. recovering or not in, just not in the right frame of mind yeah. for it because you just know it just it'll just go wrong um, and, it, and it does anyway but, when you're in a good and space. it does anyway <laughs> even when you yeah it does anyway even when you are in a good place um but i think luke and i were a little bit naive i think we we're both quite excited by the fact that there was the potential of me just flinging over some cad files yeah. and it really should probably should have been this way but we still neither of us quite understand why it didn't work out but <laughs> not only was you know we were separated by the atlantic ocean and most of america um just just the, the files even though they're in a kind of standard format stl format we, we all thought it, we both thought it would just be as simple as me just flinging over the files and with a bit of explanation of how i got it to work on my machine that he could sort of pretty much do the same thing in this makerspace with these shop bot machines and phoenix where it just it just struggled and struggled and it was it was like he was fighting the the, the interface yeah fighting the machine it's oh it was so dispiriting um anyway that's how it was we luke overcame that we both overcame that but there was you know just like you said when you were you're interacting with luke on almost on a daily basis and but with your build it was kind of the same when we were doing that yeah. and it's like oh my goodness it just consumed so much time it certainly does but the end, the end result justified all that Definitely, and it's one of those things that once you've got the finished thing or very close to finished thing, all that pain and frustration and, and stuff disappears because you've got this fantastic thing you you built in front of you and you can go, wow, this thing looks like what it's meant to look like. And Yeah, and you learn so much. I think yeah. you'd admit as well, you know, now you've got your time warp. You yeah. probably don't play your own build, but I had, <laughs> had, had a look at both earlier. Um, but your own build still looks pretty good, but you, you must... You, 
you thought you knew a lot about the thing, but you you, you learn more definitely. when you build it, don't you? Definitely. In certain things, you get these little moments where you go, ah, oh, so that's why that's like that. Or, you know, I mean, I think the one, the big takeaway for me from all of this, and, you know, we'll come on to maybe how we bumped into each other on Rock Beach nigh on two years ago. And you and I discussed you helping me build my guitar because you wanted to help someone else in this country and use your CNC machine rather than the makerspace and how that whole story sort of came about, which is beautifully written in my... Uh, <laughs> My my put on it's not beautifully written at all, but it's, which is written up on on your website. But the one thing I take from this whole thing is we we were using CAD and the th- you know myself and you and Luke's input a little bit into his own experience with building and your experience and my knowledge and what I'd learnt. And between the three of us and the, the power of the computer and or computer aided design, and it still outfoxed the three of us. And oh, yes. we learned so much. And the respect that you have once you've decided to drive into this for Harold and Brian and what they created back in the 60s with a 15 year old son and a, an engineering father with hand chisels and files and screwdrivers and planes and bits of old wood lying around the house. It's just phenomenal that they even finished it, let alone created arguably the, the most iconic guitar in the world. And it, uh, some people who are not Queen or Brian May fans, and this is fine, they, they don't like the look of the Red Special. And I can see that you could look at it and think it's it's a bit of a piece of junk. It's, be, it's beaten up, you know, yeah. it's 60 years of use, and it's made out of bits of junk. But I think, and we all think, it's aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I think, and Dan, you touched on this with Andy in his podcast, I think, but, you know, the, the, you can look at, pictures of that we call it the volute I think the, the, the bit that the whether the fat part of the neck the main part of the neck blends into the headstock yeah. that is that's I'm I'm redesigning that at the minute because um, <laughs> I'm making quite a few improvements to, to my neck but it, it, it's it's quite it's challenging at design but just going when you you analyze it to try to take it from a physical object or a picture into CAD you have to think very carefully obviously about how it exists in 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 3D space, but it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's aesthetically beautiful about how how all those lines blend in. And I know just I've read a little bit about car design, and there's a particular bit on a car where the the A pillar meets the bonnet and meets the 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 front wing or fender, and there's various different ways you can blend that in, and it's quite a challenging bit for a, an automotive designer to get right. And you see you. you everybody will go around looking at the cars now and, and noticing this kind of thing but I, I liken that volute where the headstock and the red special meets the main part of it it's like that it's this meeting of a, a lozenge lozenge type shape into a semicircular kind of um, section and it, it's it's just beautifully blended and, isn't and it? it is and, it, and that's the thing it could have been so easy for them to get that wrong and you look who, who cares but you would you, people would hardly see it hardly no. ever see it but, but you can tell they took pride in it and they wanted it right because mm. even when I, going back to talking to Andy we talked a little bit about the negative space on the guitar from where the scratch plate is and just at the balance the, the aesthetic balance of the guitar is, is, yeah. is spot on I, it, I agree yeah. and I do question myself sometimes and I, I ask is it just because I'm a Queen Brian May Red mm. Special fan I, I, do, it, I do too or is it yeah. because it's aesthetically pleasing to look at and I can tell you having owned the time warp guitar is absolutely pleasing because i find myself just sat staring at it yeah yeah no i've i would not like to admit how many hours i've sat staring at <laughs> pictures and those x-rays and 
how many tweaks I've done to that pick guard design before and after I've cut yeah. but it's just I never tire of looking at it and looking yeah. at the curves and it's just it is very it flows doesn't it it's like it's almost I, I can't, can't it's, art, it's almost art, artistic it is and it's, it's you know it's a testament to them because as an engineer it's so easy to make something functional yes and not aesthetically pleasing and the other the other thing is I think we, there's been discussion on the forums about which guitars I think I've got it clear in my mind which guitars potentially inspired the red special but it isn't it isn't reminiscent of any one guitar and no. that's what i find amazing because i think trying to put myself back then i would have just probably copied of some sort of gibson yeah. the s335 or a strat i've just copied that and said oh well we'll change this and change that but it, you know you just want a guitar yeah you just cop you know copy a burns burns cobra or something but I can see elements of of the of other guitars in the Red Special, but it it, it isn't sufficiently like anything else around then or now, like a Les Paul, yeah. to go. Yeah, it's based on Les Paul. It's based on a Gibson ES three three five five. It's something else that has been brought up recently. Um, Gerben, who was on the podcast, he's creating his own mayonnaise special. He's called it. Um, yeah, I've on, seen that on yeah, the Good on Gerben. And it, it's based on I think Andrew Guyton's Portofino shape, but Gerben sort of kind of made it his own a little bit and it's very difficult in the modern world to create a new thing that is aesthetically pleasing because a lot of new things are harping back to the old things which well, have all become the custom let, let's just just break off and talk about the Guyton RS transporter mm. <laughs> right so I, I've um, I have a purple one you do uh, number where's the eight or number nine number nine I think it is a 25 and um, I rather like purple. If you, uh, <laughs> if you go on my website, you'll you'll soon realise I rather like purple. I can't explain why, but it's just I just like it. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to uh, to buy this purple transporter, which was originally commissioned for Craig Farley. And so it's not just flat purple; it's metallic purple. It's just it's just lovely. But the I really appreciate that guitar now. But when I first saw the pictures of it. I really wasn't convinced at all by the purely of the aesthetic. I, yeah. I totally was sucked in by the um, by the, the premise of it, what it's designed to do. It, yeah. it's, it's a headless guitar um, based on the Red Special, same neck, uh, pickups in the same place, and it, it plays and sounds. And you know, in engineering terms, it's it's equivalent to the Red Special. But I really wasn't convinced about the design at all, right? But then when I first saw one, and it must have been at that twenty-seven meetup, yeah. twenty-seventeen meetup, yeah. um, I was like. The engine, it was beautifully engineered and it was solid. And it's just like, I don't know, that that in the pictures it didn't quite work for me. When I saw it, it was like, yeah, that's uh, that's good. It, it, I like it, it. It's a lovely shaped guitar, and it I can see why certain people might think it's a gimmick because it does have a, a slightly toy quality. But but I, I think, think that's what I originally thought until I picked it up and played but, it. But I think that's partially owed to the fact that when Martin designed it with Andy, they gave it a flat red finish, and it, and it yes. kind of that one piece red sort of um almost the same color that they did is the, it empire red they call yeah it's empire red empire finish mm -hmm. um in and the whole thing's that one color it, you kind of you lose that it's a piece of wood and it's because it, it's a flat finished thing but once you've actually held one and seen it and been able to examine it it is a feat of engineering and it, it looks fantastic it looks like a guitar from star trek yeah talking about the finishes as well so in terms of the red special itself you know i'm, I'm quite a purist you know, i had very fussy i had about three or four things that i was incredibly fussy about and i wanted to, to try to nail on my build one of them was the the color or the hue right hue hue a lot of the, the 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 replicas you get this kind of burgundy deep red hue and it's it's nice 
but it's not right. Yeah. It's, it's, we know that the red special is an orangey brown yeah. and it goes red in certain <laughs> lights, you know? So I was like, right, I want to nail that. But um, the the transporter, it, it just, I wasn't convinced by all these funky finishes, but yeah. actually when you see it, the, the thing is, it's, it's a funky thing. Yeah. And it absolutely suits those funky finishes. The funkier, the better. Definitely. And I think, like yours and mine that I originally commissioned with the um the, sp- the hollow sparkle in it just made it look so much more appealing than just a flat one that's color. right so I mean although I should I should add although I like the color purple I wouldn't paint anything in it yeah. in my house or like <laughs> I wouldn't have a car that's purple I wouldn't wear anything purple but I like purple yeah and it, it works on that that object it's a nice it's a lovely guitar as well it's beautiful yeah, yeah. and if we go back to chronologically so you you're Working with Luke, Luke's cracking on making his videos and making the guitar and your own build is, and I'm not going to take the mickey out of you too much, but is, I wouldn't say faltering, but going at a slower pace. And the 2018 meetup happens. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. That would have been the one where I took my... Right, so the the, the build going at a slower pace yeah, you kicked s- me into the um, the strap modification. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Where I was so going let's with. talk about that, yeah. So um, I had on a whim I always like strats I'm not like a real fan of strats to me they're just um, a really nice playing guitar but they're kind of almost like the BMW 3 series of guitars they're really nice to drive but they're absolutely everywhere you know in every possible variant Um, so that's not uh, don't flame me any any strat fan people Um, so I think was it my birthday it was a birthday present myself I was just on again on eBay I don't think any alcohol was involved but somebody was selling a really nice American Standard Strat and Candy Cola Red, and it's just one of these iconic things. It's just, uh, the Fiesta Red's quite nice, but the, the Candy Cola, that metallic, oh, just a week at the knees guitar, and like the Perloid pick guard, and, oh. and it was quite a good price, it was 800 quid or something. So I bought that, and it was hardly used. I think the guy that uh, was selling it was into Ibanez. Yeah. He, had, um, he, he had an Ibanez which played well, and he liked that, and he hardly played the Strat, so he was offering it for sale. So I picked that up for 800 quid, and it's like, oh, and it, it smelled nice as well. I don't, it still smells the same as <laughs> whatever oil he was using to, to clean it smelled nice. So, um, yeah, Candy Cola 2012 American Standard Strat with the maple um, neck and fretboard. Just oh, phenomenal. Iconic. Loved it. So chuffed a bit. So um, still have it. So I thought, oh, I'll tell you what. At, at that point, I didn't have any red special type of guitar, you know, something with trisonics on it. I could just plug into an AC30 and make that Brian May sound. So I thought, oh, what can I do here? So um, I got the idea of just just doing a rough, fairly rough and ready modification. Just just a st- <laughs> why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. I'll, we'll we'll explain why John's laughing in a moment. Oh, it's so, so yeah, it's so, so dog, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So yeah, but uh, you see, Nigel Knight um, got involved with this, and that's yeah. why it, it, it oh, escalated. It escalated in, in a good way. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, we'll just do a do a rough and ready. Uh, what do I call it? A kind of makeshift maycaster or something yeah. it was just intended to be um i had a piece of scrap uh, black perspex so just put some six switchcraft switches in it and three trisonics and yep. bang, bang it on the strap drop in mod a weekend's work surely in, in, if if that yeah. <laughs> an evening's work so this so I, you know, I was on the facebook forum at this point so um alcohol is usually involved at one end or another with this so um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Nigel got wind of this and said, "No, let's let's make a let's make a PCB switching unit for it based on the the one I've designed for the transporter." And I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be a good idea." 
Nigel, Nigel's like Stella Artois, isn't he? He's reassuringly expensive, but yes. all this stuff is... It's pro-quality stuff, isn't it? it? Is. We all, we, you know, we're a sucker for Nigel's pro-quality stuff. Whether we can play properly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Nigel got involved. And uh, so I'm sure from his end, it was just a few clicks on his AutoCAD desk to change the um, PCB switching module for the Guyton RS transporter to modify it to fit in the control cavity of the strap. Yep. So that sounded good. Now, what I didn't want to do, uh, I'm not precious about this strap, but I thought, well, I might want to move it on or convert it back uh, in the future. So I didn't, and I just didn't fancy doing any routing with it. So I thought, right, it's just a drop-in drop in mod. So uh, Nigel modified the Guyton transporter PCB. It's a terrific unit. Now, it doesn't have the onboard uh, treble booster because no. that wouldn't have fitted in the cavities. Yeah. It's just literally the, the two pots and uh, all the connections on a PCB with the six sort of push to make push to break yeah. um switches which are great because they're kind of effectively noiseless aren't yeah. they and they're so intuitive they are and it's quite discreet yeah uh, it's almost easier in a way than the original red special switching yeah, is, once you've it? used it it's, it's so yeah. much you can press yeah three fingers two fingers down in any combination and yeah. it becomes a bit more intuitive than the switching it on is, the red it's special. very very good um yeah so he modified the pcb and i i um, modified the pick guard, which was really easy. It just needed the the, um, the apertures for the, the the Burns trisonic pickups, a slightly larger apertures in a slightly different position, spaced out as far as I could, and six holes at an angle um, to match those those switches. And then Nigel knocked out PCB and suggested that I, I mount it to the to the bottom of the the pick guard, just make a little custom uh, perspex plates which yeah. is glued to the, the underside of the pick guard super glue and it's got little brass inserts in it and uh, it's a little bit of care it's got little um standoffs um just to get the, the height correct and you just screw it in and actually john to be honest the that was the, f the first project i'd executed myself <laughs> that i thought i've done a really good job of that well it's because I, you know like like you and me we, we're very self and luke very self-critical so you do something and go well yeah it's good but it <laughs> I could be better. I could have done better. But I just looked at the thought. It, do you know? It sounds really good. It does as well. It's a yeah, it's and, a fantastic sound. And it just guitar. looked. It just looked the business. It did. It doesn't. It, it still looked. And I want it to be kind of the mod to be stealthy. It's to look pretty much like a strap, but just sound like a red special. And it just. I just took my time over it and made made sure everything, the holes were cut neatly and the PCB lined up very well. And it just aesthetically, I think it would look really good. And I got these two, um, anatone aluminium. So they're, they're kind of strap style control knob but they're just bare aluminium like the red special so it's a yeah. bit of a nod to the red special but it's still stratty yeah you know, and i'm really pleased with that it's a great guitar it's fantastic and you did bring that to the meetup and it got very well, it got played a lot yeah <laughs> it did didn't it yeah so it's, that was getting passed around yeah. the bar at the end oh, you have to some vids of you play it <laughs> no i was quite pleased and it was it was great people were just like because strats are just so easy to pick up and play yeah, aren't they they are and i think i think people listening if, if I, I was corresponding with a guy on via a direct message on instagram just a few days ago and um he's in the uk and uh he's trying to dip a toe in the water and, and get a red special not sure what to do but he said oh, i'm a bit of a perfectionist so I said, well, uh, have, have a good look at my website because I've pretty much covered every base with making things from scratch and modifying other guitars. But I think that, okay, so Nigel's custom PCB um, solution was was exp an expensive solution, but, it, you know, Tim Grocott's um, uh, modified uh, a 
oh, is that Burns? He's got, I'm not sure which model of Burns. I it's this black remember. one, isn't it? It's on the forum. Burns Bison? Could, no, oh, I'm not I sure. Remember. Anyway, but he's um, he got some uh, PCBs made up. Uh, you can get your own PCB design made up yeah. at relatively low cost. It's, it's, it's not prohibitive. And of course, you can etch your own. Um, it's not too difficult. So, you know, the, if you want, you know, guys and girls out there who are on a budget, uh, pick up a, I mean, even a Mexican Strat or even a, some of these, uh, the cheapest, the Strat types, the Squires. Yeah. You know, get some Trisonics on it and just do a, do either put the switches on it, toggle switches or, or, even go down a PCB route. Yeah. It's cheap, cheapest route in to a Brian May sound. We'd also, it's a good, if you're intending on learning about it as well, it's a great, great way of dipping your toe in without having to like make too many big cuts in wood and you, know, you can get your confidence up with it. But but your guitar, that strap was fantastic and it, it definitely, it mm, was, thanks, yeah. it was a, a great piece at the meetup. I think it was, I'm trying to remember meetup chronology now yeah that was the meetup when pete malandrone turned up that's that's correct yeah, yeah he came yeah he, yeah that's right and that's so that's the one we did the blind test of the 14 different guitars, guitars and they all sounded the same <laughs> and, yeah that was brilliant wasn't it yeah. so that was luke in the kitchen luke timmons at, yeah luke timmons at, at field village hall he was played through his rig wasn't it yeah but it was he had he got everybody's guitar that they brought in the kitchen and he played them and I was I, I mean, it's probably more luck than good judgment, but I I believe I picked out was it your transporter or yeah. was it, there was a transporter mm, there. just yeah. sounded a bit warmer a bit yeah. fuller so I went, oh that's the transporter but yeah. it was a bit of a wild guess but I mean Dan Thomas had a um, had a nice Les Paul variant yeah. there and uh, <laughs> yeah people just blurting in the end people were just blurting out random guesses <laughs> but I think it, it, it proved to all of us uh, that the, the the AC30 and with a decent treble booster that signal chain is a large part of Brian's tone. Definitely. Not, not, we're not talking about the style, which obviously is, is in his fingers, legato and stuff, but the, the pure tone of the signal chain. And I think as well, is it, it just goes to prove that all of our endeavors to make it as most as accurate as possible possibly aren't as important as we think they are. But I think where the importance does come from, though, with those things is if you know that it's right, it makes you happier when you play it. And if you're happier when you play it, you play better. And, and that translates into to when when you're listening to someone play guitar you can tell if they're enjoying it or not yeah that's right i think that the, the way brian uses the the vibrato arm, yeah. which just is designed perfectly to fall to hand yeah. you know that that doesn't work so well on on the commercial instruments no. so anything with a fender style kind of three spring tremolo it just even if you've even if you've modified the arm so it falls yeah. better to hand it just isn't the it's same. Not quite the same and once you've tried the original style knife edge tremolo system and, and played with it a little bit it's very hard to to then play a Fender style because the, the tremolo tends to be a lot harder and getting the balance is so much more difficult because that knife edge or the frictionless tremolo that Brian and Harold designed is so well balanced it yeah. it just becomes second nature to him well yeah, yeah not to us maybe. <laughs> it's like eighth nature to yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've gone through that meetup and then um, again we had the dance a little dance to get you to turn up to that one and you were it's like it's too, too far, far. <laughs> it's too expensive it's a long drive oh, I'm not coming I'm not because, coming it's, oh. and I think Sean ended up bending your arm to bring you along to that one <laughs> and you, 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 were in, you were forced to stay the night at the Thiel Hotel as well the Calcott that's right so the, I drove 990 miles that weekend nice to Sean's say with Sean and then, uh, and then fire around the M25 the M4 Reading you stayed at the Calcott and had a, a great night. Mm. Yeah, the first I remember the first time I actually stayed in London, didn't I? So I, was, I hedged my bets. Yeah. Came down my train. I tried everything. Didn't I? Yeah. I'm going to drive down again this year, but tried. <laughs> stayed in London. 
came along by train and then I left at about half ten to get the last train just everything was kicking off and I'm like bye no but it's good you you came down Doug and then I forget how it came about but you and I were both on holiday in Cornwall around the same time the following year and I think we'd probably talked about it a few bit months in advance and we are like oh we're in we're in Cornwall John if you fancy and the family coming down to see us actually Doug we're in Cornwall that weekend or that week as well what a coincidence it was very much so and we arranged to meet up on Rock Beach Um, we should probably explain about Cornwall and rock because people might think we've just made that name up because it's rock (laughs) guitar rock music rock Rock, Rock Beach rock is um, is, uh, we were just there yesterday actually funnily enough Um, rock uh, is as a village in yeah. Cornwall, it's it's opposite Padstow. Anybody's heard of that? Um, and uh, there's some. It's where very rich people in the UK maybe have second homes and possibly <laughs> celebrities live. But that's not the reason why we went there. We no, went there for a, for a, um, a gastropub meal at uh, the Mariners, which is owned by. Uh, it's part of the Paul Ainsworth group. Nice. I'm, 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 this isn't a plug no. at all. <laughs> I, I'm not to get any money from Paul Ainsworth, but um, we had a lovely um, meal. <laughs> that's why we're, in, we're at the Mariners and Rock. So yeah. Rock, and there's there's a Rock. Oyster Festival, which I think Quite is a possibly, music yeah. festival. People may have heard of that. Um, but yeah. as, as luck would have it, uh, Vicky, my wife, booked uh, for us to stay in an Airbnb in Padstow, and Rock Beach was just a, a very cheap ferry ride, pedestrian ferry ride away. And we we went over, and then Doug and Jane and Ben and Emily joined us later on in the day. And our children got on like a house on fire and and played and played and played and played and played until we got on the ferry on the way back and realised they'd all burnt to a crisp. Burnt to a crisp. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, great parenting there but Doug and I sat chatting about red specials on the beach for probably far too long so much so our wives left us and <laughs> wandered off to do something far much more interesting and I, I forget how the conversation came about but Doug I think it ended up with you saying well if you were interested in actually building one again John I could probably help you yeah it's it, as you know we've, we've, I think people have a misconception about CNC and CAD they think it you can, once you've designed it you can just knock out a guitar <laughs> and uh, maybe you can if it's a solid body you know an oiled wood solid body but not a red special you know no. there's probably I wouldn't even like to to hesitate to estimate you know the machine work versus hand finishing yeah. but you can use CNC to, to part make a neck and part make a body but there's still a, a great deal of, of hand handiwork handcraft yeah. needed to, to finish the guitar but um, having inputted all the time and effort, uh, it seemed reasonable for somebody else who, who knows what they're doing and's got a bit of handicraft skill uh, and is a proper enthusiast to go. Well, if I'm gonna have another go at this, let's see if it wasn't a fluke. Yeah. We could just try to quote unquote knock out, <laughs> knock out some sort of kit. If we were to hypothetically make a red special kit, could could somebody who knows what they're doing hypothetically turn it into a decent instrument? And the answer is no. No, it's the answer is yeah, yeah. Just just about. Just about. So we we then, <laughs> I think you probably regretted asking me because then my brain started ticking over and I probably sent you about four thousand. When your emails. brain starts ticking over, it goes a hundred miles. It's a bit like me actually. I'm, you know, you get an idea and you just you just got to go with it. And run run with the baton. Yeah. And so several hundred emails later, between Doug and I, we finally nailed what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And glued who, and screwed, not nailed. Joe. Well, yeah, glued Come and screwed. On. Well, screw. Well, first we had to make the block board that was glued, and then the body is screw- glued together and then screwed. I um, hate glue. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since I was six, I hate glue. <laughs> Doesn't taste very nice. Does it? It's disgusting. <laughs> don't sniff it. No, don't even and, uh, if it makes you happy when you're building. But anyway, we went over these details, and I had so many questions for Doug because I was trying to understand from 
from knowing what went into it, what I would need to provide Doug. And I wanted to make sure that I provided Doug with everything in spec as to what Doug requested, because I realized and knew that what he'd offered me, what two things, one, he possibly hadn't realized the gravity of what he'd offered me in terms of his own time. <laughs> and two, it was such a gracious thing to do that if I was going to do it, I needed to try and do it to the best of my ability to make Doug feel like I was a worthy choice to, to make the kit with really. Cause you know, it was, it's a big undertaking. And yeah. And, and I'll just say again, so uh, a couple of hours ago when I arrived, I saw John's amazing time warp Guyton red special. And, um, but the first guitar I picked up was his home build <laughs> and he was cringing and he was apologizing for it. And I thought, Hey, this is pretty good, John. Yeah, good. I guess it's like anything though. You over time, and having gone through the process, you know where you could have made things yeah, yeah. better. Well, mine's the same. So I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna, I, I'm making a whole new neck for yeah. mine because for various reasons. But um, you know, it, it, it's good. Things will always be better. Yeah, but it's it's good. So we we yeah we set about this communication, and it, this was back in the July two years ago to the day nearly. No, yeah, roughly because you'd have been on holiday and we'd have been on holiday. So yeah would have been about two years we ago we tend to go on holiday at the same sort of two weeks every yeah. every year you do yeah five years <laughs> we do, so. and i think we didn't have one of our children in school at that point so it was the last summer holiday before we holly was going to school anyway doug and i have then discussed at great length how we we're going to do this and we were getting on to the like doug talking about how much time it takes for the cnc machine and i suggested oh well why don't i fly up to scotland for the weekend and we i can get everything to you and we'll pick a date and then the two of us can do it so it halves the load and Doug seemed to think that was a good idea. So in November of that year, late November. 2019, yeah. 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 I jumped on a plane, having posted a large box of bits up to Doug. Arrived at the airport. Edinburgh Airport. <laughs> jumped on the tram. <laughs> then a train. <laughs> <laughs> and then Doug and Ben picked me up and we went to work in Doug's <laughs> garage. <laughs> trying to put this together. And <clears throat> it wasn't without... Um, it's... it's <laughs> His challenges that weekend, Doug. No, we overcame them though. It was, it was, yeah, we're sweating the details, weren't we? But um, yeah, the, but the, the CNC machine's susceptible to electrical disturbances <laughs> in the house. So um, you turn on the uh, any large current consumers in the house, it can it can send through a bit of an electrical pulse through the the. the, the <laughs> It, it did. Jane put the microwave on yeah, for, the, for the, make the lunch for the kids. Yeah. And it, it it caused a slight jump in the when we was cutting the the tenon section of the, the neck. So you ended up having to scarf in a bit of veneer. To, I did to correct that. But could it, have been worse. It could have ploughed a huge <laughs> gouge in it. So we got off quite lightly. We did, and we also had some temperature issues as well. And the machine was oh, that's of course it was. Yes, it was November, wasn't it? So yeah. it, was, it was chilly in Scotland. Very cold. But we spent pretty much on. I mean, we were like, oh yeah, we can hang out and cut this and do that, and we literally spent the whole time knelt down by yeah. the ga- oh. by the CNC machine on the floor with oh. a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing as well. I need. I, I was working without um any kind of uh, dust skirt. Yeah. So I was just manually vacuuming away because I couldn't be bothered setting up a dust skirt. But it, I found the whole thing really interesting because I arrived and Doug wanted to to go through the health and safety of it all first, so that I knew what was going on and. Because, because I wanted you to leave with all the same digits in the place that you arrived <laughs> And we, we went through that and then we, we sort of understood, I think Doug understood after a short time that I was not as daft as I look. Yeah, yeah you've, you've worked with machinery and stuff. And, yeah. And yeah, you know, we sort of great. came up with a few solutions and we we pre-planned quite a lot of it and we had to, to um, <laughs> we had a problem with the, the, the width of the neck blank, didn't we? Yeah. So we were, we were midway cutting. And I've explained this on one of my YouTube videos, but um, 
normally neck blanks are sized for if you're manually you know cutting them so they're yeah. only they're only as there's only as much timber as there needs to be yeah. so um the we mentioned before that the, the width across the headstock is three inches 76 mil so most often you buy a, a good quality mahogany um neck blank and it, it's not much more than three inches yeah. across so however the cnc <laughs> machine you're making a 3d object you need to retain that object inside a frame uh, the reason being with a neck it's a double-sided cut so you then need to flip it over to, to cut the other side now as i found with the first test cut i did um I wasn't as experienced then as, as I am now. <laughs> you make one mistake and you're experienced. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, um, of course, the, there's a, a margin of cut uh, for the cutter that you're using, and it has to, the cutter has to create its own space to work in, otherwise it bangs off the sides and it sends it off awry. Uh, these are problems you don't get with big commercial machines because they're, they're more powerful. But we, um, so the neck plank wasn't wide enough and I, I realized i realized this in time as it's it's Instant. moving down past the headstock the edges and again this is going to break out of the frame yeah ah. stop so we had to we stopped then we had to hastily find a way of of, of augmenting the width of the of the wood so we just ended up gluing some scrap bits of wood on yeah didn't some, we? some of those bits you don't throw away anymore came into great use the scrap timber yeah, yeah. always keep your scrap timber but then of course the you, you made us this, this L-shaped aluminium bracket yeah. as an alignment guide because the other thing you can do is you can spend six or seven hours cutting a neck and if you don't when you flip it over if, if it doesn't align exactly you the bottom the bottom part of it will be <laughs> off to one side or off to the back or front or both it'll yeah. be it'll be displaced it'll be vectored well, and that we, will be very disappointing and then we, we realized that the height of that was too high so we had to install it glue the piece down to the deck so that it wouldn't move and then take the L-shaped bracket away so that it could do the cut and then replace the L-shaped bracket to turn the neck You're over. You're bringing back painful memories, John. <laughs> but we overcame the challenges that we had, Doug, very quickly. Yeah. But again, it, it, it's, um, it, it just shows you that when you've got two people working on a problem, they've got a shared goal, and there's, there's, a, there's a pressure of a time frame to do something boy do you come up with solutions yeah. pretty quickly and we, i thought we worked pretty well together on that did, yeah and you, you come up with this great idea of um well, why the hell didn't i think of this three years ago when i built a machine that the the, the emergency stop button is usually emergency stop buttons on machines have a something on like a nuclear reactor control desk <laughs> all all our emergency well, emergency stops but our, our trip but push buttons yeah. have perspex hinged covers over them so you don't you know, there's a deliberate action to lift the cover before you press the button however on the stepcraft this early iteration of the strepcraft machine it's the emergency stop button is it very easily knockable uh, kickable and it just bombs the whole process out so john just said well why don't you these bits of scrap wood you use to prop up um a platform for your mini drill press why don't you just put one of those either side of the push button and another one along it so you've we can just knock them out of the way quickly if we need to use it i'm like hey that's a great idea <laughs> Why didn't I think of that three years well, ago? Wow, it's all... Because I'm an idiot. Yeah. It's but... one of these obvious things that, as soon as it's pointed out to you, you're like, that's so obvious, why didn't I think of it? I think because the two of us in the room, in the garage, around the machine, there's a lot less space. When it's just one of you, yeah. you're less yeah. likely to bang it because you've not got True. one of you there and one of True. you there. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, we spent this time and Doug cut all this stuff out and I think I had to leave because my flights were on the Sunday night and I had to get back to go to work on the Monday and hadn't quite finished one of the sections of the block board and Doug carried on when he got back and the machine died and it, it sort of I think I think the, the cutter got blunted yeah. and it plowed it up but it's actually in, in retrospect it's amazing what we got achieved that weekend yeah. Loads. we could have we could have 
basically ended up with a lot of scrap wood and sawdust yeah. and not been friends anymore. No. <laughs> well, I, I said to you, no matter what happens, if this works or if it doesn't, it, it's not going to, it's not a reflection of you. No. Well, no, I don't think any of us, I, I would have just carried on and said, I, you know, whatever had happened, even if it was set the garage on fire, just yeah. doused it out, repainted <laughs> it and come back three weeks later and done it again and kept doing it till it was yeah. right because we just do that. And then around that sort of time as well, Luke from America, who we've mentioned before, had started talking to me about, and Doug, about arranging a US Red Special meetup. And he was talking about it, like, what would you do? And he'd asked me about how do I arrange it? And Doug and I had sort of spent enough time chatting to him and to each other and spent the weekend together and gone, actually, you know what, Luke, if you book it and do it, we'll, we'll both fly over to Phoenix and support you with your endeavor. But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that you just say, yeah. and then get the credit card out. And, and then just do it and so in the march of that year we find ourselves me and doug bumping into each other at heathrow <laughs> oh dear and, just, um, we just just go to arizona for yeah, five days for yeah, randomly to why not meet up. so we um we met each other at heathrow i forget what terminal it was now is it five i can't remember yeah, some terminal and heathrow and we bump in we're well, not bump into each other but meet up at heathrow through departures and jump aboard this ba plane and flew to Arizona and Luke picked us up and we spent the week in Arizona pretty much well not the whole week because we went traveling but we went to the US meetup and we made, met the great Ron, Ron Wood Ron Smith Ron Wood Ron Wood <laughs> uh, Ron, Ronnie Wood no Ron Smith and met James Chen and um, Jonathan uh, I want to say Planet not John, yeah, not John, John Griffin John Griffin you mentioned yeah. earlier and um, all Luke's friends and Gus and Luke's wife and Abe Ruthless and yeah <laughs> it's crazy wasn't it they spent about six hours of the meetup time setting up all this recording yeah. because that's what they do yeah they're professional audiovisual yeah. audiovisual artists they are and we had a great old time didn't we it and, was brilliant absolutely it, fantastic it's um, a real tonic for yeah for like the, the trials and tribulations of normal life and mm. we actually because we had some more time we spent the time we did the red special meetup thing and Luke showed us around phoenix bit and then we drove out to la we um luke drove to la i just yeah. sat in the back yeah you were just, <laughs> the first time i've ever been in a long car journey and not been the driver yeah it's um, great so i just it? sat in the back just like a kid we, it was awesome <laughs> watching america go yeah. by well we in the car we, for a day pretty much <laughs> chatting about rubbish and red specials and the whole history of queen and then eating some nice american food and then staying in some interesting places and yeah, we had a great old time. Yeah, we went to the Guitar Centre, didn't we? Yeah, oh, that was awesome, wasn't it? So, yeah, that was fantastic. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And then we um, we went went to Disney, and then we went off to the Grand Canyon, and then we uh, we got back to... Luke dropped us off to the um, airport, and there was a guitar exhibition. And the uh, Listeners, you can't see this, but I've got a wistful look in my eye now. <laughs> I'm gazing out of the window with a wistful look in my eye, and that was amazing. Well, we, it was a bit of a surreal experience, yeah. just, just fly to America. <laughs> the... Uh, it was great though to be the British the West Ambassador. Coast American just go <laughs> scooting around. Yeah, let's it go a, to Disney. It was, it was awesome it? though, wasn't it? Yeah. It's so much fun. It is, but it's refreshing just to. I, I'm not particularly spontaneous. I like to plan things, um, but that was fairly spontaneous. Yeah, it was good. And that was, as you say, it was it was a tonic. It was refreshing. So we both worked quite hard just to go. Hey, we're going to take a yeah. week off. We're going <laughs> go to go to Phoenix. And we landed. I think I landed. And we both landed back in London, and Doug had a connecting flight up to to scotland and my wife actually surprised me at the airport so she was there with our youngest she'd come up on the train um we got the taxi back to the car and drove home and you obviously 
Doug flew home and, and got home and then the following week the country went into lockdown oh that's right yes yeah that's right so and, talking to timelines yeah very very quickly after we came back were we very appreciative yeah. and fortunate that we'd done that at the time and the, the, Luke chose the time didn't he early March yeah. so it wasn't blazingly hot in Arizona um, yeah. and it was very pleasant was it yeah. mid 20s it was lovely um, and um, Doug proceeded to send me my kit of parts and bits and pieces for the red special when he got back I think he had maybe one or two things he wanted just to finish off and uh, the kit arrived just as lockdown happened and I spent lockdown building a red special <laughs> yeah it must be nice to just have a kit a guitar kit arrived. yeah it was pretty cool I mean there's still things to do obviously <laughs> the, my kits of which there's only one come with a lifetime warranty so uh, it <laughs> <laughs> that means Excellent. that uh, every time I make a change to my pick guard design or something, it gets like, sent out. Yeah. yeah, do you want a new pick guard? Yeah, 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 yeah. another new pick guard. Yeah, yeah. So it's another thing I think. Oh, I'll just knock out a pick guard. But actually, by the time I've cut it, um, do all the intricate things with it, and then you know, started sanding it so that it isn't razor sharp. I might as well just dress the edge. And I'm like, I'll just polish yeah. the edge, and it's suddenly it's like seven hours work. Okay. But they are beautiful things. They I are. love making them. Every time I make one, you get that when you get that gloss on the edge. Now I do mine slightly differently to the little bit of nerddom here. So the, the the real the real hardcore enthusiasts know that Brian the pick on the original red special isn't fully beveled as in a forty five degree bevel. It has almost like half of it. It's about an eighth inch thick, is it? Just yeah. three mil, probably. So the top half has got like a, a bevel. Yep. The bottom half is vertical. However, um, so. I prefer it aesthetically with a full the, the the bevel to the full height, and that's how Andy did the. Is, it, is that how it's done on your time? I haven't. Board? We'll have to go and have a look in a minute. Yeah. So, um, so Andy, uh, what I was trying to aim for when I built my red special was kind of like a homemade Guyton, as in it's not sure I copy a Guyton, but it has a a new look to it. It's like yeah. a freshly made guitar, but it looks like the red special, and it's. Um, so Andy did his original pick guards fully beveled. Now, I know Julian Hemingway on his builds, that's one detail he likes to build in. Uh, it just shows you the level of um, uh, Julian. Was it 2018 Julian came? Yeah. Yeah, and he brought some of his builds. Oh, yeah. Epic. Yeah. Epic. Uh, he's Julian. Uh, you, I know you're going to try and get Julian on the podcast. So he's he's one of the old timers. Yeah. Um, can you say that now? Is that, is yeah, that maybe. I don't you know, know. Old timers, as in. He'll, he'll know what you mean. Um, and he won't take yeah, it. Yeah, he's one of the guys who's around in the, the, the early days of, of when Brian May enthusiasts were getting together on forums and stuff yep. so um that's a detail that julian likes to build in but for me i, I don't do that it's just an aesthetic preference uh so but i, I cut the the pick guard with um like a, a v groove yep. which works if you get the, the parameters right in the cnc it, it cuts quite nicely but you, it, it does tend to vibrate a bit but still um it leaves quite a lot of machining marks in so there's a lot more hand finishing on this knocked out by cnc pick guard yeah. than you might think to get it to look <laughs> good well the whole thing i think you, you, you know you press go on the cnc machine you hover over it for the next eight hours as it's cutting out this thing and then you clean up and tidy up and then you've got the piece yeah. of wood and then you've got to do the you know there's work to be done it's not just it's not as easy or straightforward as as it looks but um but i don't i think we should say that look you know um if you're thinking of building a red special the authentic way don't let anything we've said here put you off just just go yeah, do okay. it for quite the opposite um just do all the research you can have a look at the website and just see what's involved I'm not trying to put anybody off at all no, but anything we've said here um of how difficult it is even with machine you know machinery and computers uh it's it's a difficult build it's i would suggest it's probably one of the more difficult builds to start as a home definitely, builder definitely but don't let it put you off but just do uh do practice things and test things yep and, um 
John's made a really good replica. Luke has. So M- you don't. Mine's, mine's, mine's pretty good, although when I want to do a new neck for it. Yeah. Um, just take your time. Definitely. And, and practice is amazing because you, you'll know how the drill bit's going to react to that piece of wood when you come to cut it, or you, you know how the the router bit's going to tear your side veneer off into a million pieces because you didn't glue it properly. Or um, All of those things are worth learning on a scrap piece before you dive right into your yeah, actual guitar. There's, there's things, go and, go and learn what not to do as well. Um, <laughs> you know, pe- but people, people want to, you know, they get set off on a build and I wasn't quite like this, you know, they want to do it exactly as Brian did it without thinking why, what is that yeah. the right thing to do. I want to use Rustins. Now I ended up using Rustins but it's not the easiest thing to work in, work with. And, but I didn't feel I would get a good result in a garage in Scotland where we, it's quite humid and cool. Yeah. And I, my, my, my skills with aerosol sprays have never been good. It's like aerosol sprays, glues, just no, no. So in that respect, I felt that a, you know, a brush-on formulation for a lacquer w- would work well. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of did. And I didn't have any major issues with veneer sand through or anything like that. But that's why I chose to use Rustin's, not because it was what Brian and Harold did. They probably didn't have a lot of choices at the time. You know, no. there were a lot of fancy things like, like nitro, nitrocellulose aerosols, um, and equally, people just want to use cascamite yeah. glue to, to glue it together. Well, it's like, hang on a minute, does, does anybody really care about that? No, I, I, you know, fine, go and do it. But you, know, you use there's lots of fantastic modern adhesive formulations, which are, I mean, lock, uh, lock. I can't want to say Lockheed. It isn't. It's tight bond. <laughs> Type bond, just type bond. I don't know who makes type bond, but type type bond, the standard type yeah, bond wood glue, is fantastic. Yeah, and there's so many people out there that are on the forum as well to provide advice and provide um, helpful tips. Or if you know you've got questions, join up and and start getting involved in those conversations. Buy the book by Simon Bradley because if you watch Luke Holworder's videos, go to dsgb.net. There's so much information out there now that wasn't out there. If if you want to build, go and read that for six months before you start chopping into wood i would suggest i'd agree and then doug one of the other projects you were involved in i mean obviously you've talked a little bit about the next thing for you is to make a new neck for your guitar and to try and get that a bit more right um and i would say the next one of the harder things to get right because that's the bit you interact with it's the bit that sits in your hand and it's the where the frets are and there's so many although the body's intricate and how it comes together the neck is such a critical part that getting that right is very difficult and i mean we were looking at mine and i cringe when i show people because i know where the problems are and i know what i struggled with and i know what i'd do different next time and it's it's probably the most cringy part of right, but it, none of this is none of this stuff is easy you know guys like you know <coughs> Kazutaka and, and Andy Guyton do it for a living they're professionals yeah. oh, and craftspeople yeah. and, and they make you know professional anybody makes anything look easy yeah. and I didn't go into my build thinking this is going to be easy in fact quite <laughs> the opposite I, I, I knew it was going to be hard but <laughs> you, nothing prepares you for how hard it is you know? no um, and, and uh, I, yeah and as I said you know we're we're able to to use computer aided design and, and CNC machines to, to do these things and we have all the benefits of the original guitar exists and we can look at photos and we can look at Guyton's and we can look at KZ's and Brian and Harold had none of this and they had a piece of Correct. paper and a pencil and they did all this stuff and nailed it. Well, just just pick up on one thing and you, you chatted a bit with Andy about how he dresses his frets, yeah. which I have the greatest, the, fret, the, the ends of the frets yeah. particularly, but the whole, the whole fret dressing. And uh, he has a nice kind of smooth, kind of roundy dressing to the end of his frets. And I, I very much wanted to... Um, uh, uh, to re- uh, to reproduce this on on mine, but 
I kind of did, but I ended up making the the frets too roundy, and it, it took too much off the end, so it kind of effectively restricted the um, the frettable width. Yeah. So I overdid it. Um, I was just again, it's the first thing I look at now. Well, not first thing, but it's one of the first few things I look at on yeah. red specials now. And I know we've we've had a look at some that people have brought along to the meetups. And yeah. Been a bit critical of the way the fret ends are dressed. Yeah. It's the smallest thing, but it, it and you covered it with Andy in, in his in, in the podcast of. How how important that is for the feel of it. You think you're dragging your hands up and down. Hundred percent, and it's, and it's I, a critical detail, isn't it? And those are the things that Andy's obviously very good at. Had access to the original and and been able to to replicate that so that it replicates it correctly on the guitar. So those some of those details you can't pick up in photos, but you have to make that mistake where you have to. Yeah, and, and I've tried. Believe me, I tried. Yeah. I tried to look at them, uh, look at photographs, <laughs> work out exactly how they they dressed it. But again, it's another thing that. Brian and Harold did very well. I've not played the original. I don't think no, you have either. But no. Some of some of our peers have, but that yeah. um, they dressed the frets intelligently, very, uh, and they were, not knowing how to been skilled in doing it, and made a fantastic job. And they're still the same frets on the original today as they were back in the sixties when they it's had a new zero fret or two, but the actual frets themselves. And Doug, you were also involved in the Glutton Time Warps in a in a small way, but a massive way because you helped bring a part to life that hasn't been created for probably 40 years <laughs> those um yeah the the, the, <laughs> the jean reno double pull double throw parallel slide switches Just, that yeah. was rarer than unicorn horn yeah, yeah well and you worked with tim grocott on those and created yeah, that was such a nifty little project yeah i mean I, I i bought a set of, of um they're not exactly the same design as the ones that are on brian's they must have Companies that are long defunct now, um, but they must have slightly tweaked the design. But I managed to get a set of uh, let's do another name check, Manuel Angelini, who's a fantastic Manuel. chap in, in France. Um, we, we could we could talk for half an hour about his story, but he, he was involved with. Well, that's not because it's no. Um, maybe you could get him on the podcast, but yeah. he, he was involved mm -hmm. with um, uh, working out the uh, where the. Amplify section from the the DK amp yep, from the supersonic PR eighty conquest. Oh, yeah, and he's just he's Rhodesia. just sold yeah, and he's just sold me a batch of nice um, nice mahogany tone wood. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I hadn't really interacted with him. Uh, I, I bought these switches. How would it have been? Twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's he's managed to find a supply of these these uh, Jean Renault French made um, parallel slide switches. But I'd like to get away from the the the, the geek fest here and explain why why it's useful to have them right because the uh it's the body and the, the actuator the plastic bit on those switches is smaller yeah. than modern equivalents of switchcraft yeah. um series so what if you've got these what you can do is you can replicate the um uh, the lovely intricate aluminium switch frame yep there's actually it's another part of that guitar that's under the hood that i think is aesthetically it's a lovely Pleasing. thing, isn't it, it? It's just what it needs to be, yeah. but it's got all these beautiful folds in it, right? And it's just it's just big enough that it needs to be to accommodate those six switches. And and those folds, having made them, yeah, oh, they're an you. absolute yeah. nightmare to get right. <laughs> they're an absolute... I wouldn't like to use the word that I used when I was doing mine, no. but I mean, I had 40 of them water jet cut out because I knew I'd, I'd break about 20 of them. <laughs> I think I made three and Luke. Yeah. Uh, one was okay, except yeah. that's on my build. Luke cut the other one i think one got thrown away yeah they're a nightmare um but yeah again it's another part of the guitar when you try and replicate it you think this will be easy <laughs> oh my goodness it isn't three months later yeah anyway so so having these these original switches is a value because the bit that the, the plastic the white plastic tip the actuator that sticks up is smaller 
and it's got a different ridge pattern on it and yep. it's it, um your eyes drawn to it because it stands out from the, the black perspects but um they're just they're smaller and they're more aesthetically pleasing than the modern sort of swishcraft equivalent but also the bodies the actual metal chassis if you like is smaller yep. so um having those means you can make the switch frame the same you can make the cavity the same dimensions as the original and all this has a knock-on effect then if, if the cavity isn't too big, then you don't have to make any allowance for that with the pick guard design. Yeah. So it all has a knock-on effect. So I realized this quite early on and, and tried to snaffle up a set of these switches, yeah. which cost me 85 euro yeah. about nine years ago. Blimey. Well, a set, a set just sold for 150 quid. Aye. Anyway, so back back to on topic, right? So um, uh, we felt it was, between us, it was worth trying to somehow replicate these switches so i think tim grocott as you say got in touch with me on matt wickham's builders forum yep. initially and i said well i've got a set of these well tell you what this is a great idea let's let's see what we can do so i took some detailed pictures of them with you know, next to um an engineering ruler so you could see the dimensions yep. i put some some um, lines on in cad and said oh well, this this arc here is this dimension so tim was uh, tim was able to go away and and um uh, I think he's some sort of biochemist, isn't he? Works yeah. at a university. Pretty clever. So, yeah, he's a clever guy, and uh, he's got access to some really good quality. Well, like the company that they use for make three um, D printing stuff for his lab. Uh, so he got some pretty accurate um, the the plastic part, the actuator part made yep. up. But it's still a very very intricate piece to make. They've got a little spring inside them. So there's the anyway. We're, we're well off topic now. Yes. But <laughs> the piece that the piece that I made was the this little. Um, Phenolic resin, uh, toughenol, um, call it a wafer, the kind yeah. of insulating base. Yep. Um, so there's an insulating base, there's a metal chassis, there's the plastic uh, actuator, and there's a spring, I think uh, two springs inside the thing, so yeah, they're two. fiendish and difficult to make. All to, to, to get, um, to make sure that the, the frame is the same, the cavity shape and uh, dimensions are the same, and the pick guard dimensions are the same. But it, it's worth it in the end. So and Andy, when he was making the time warp, he, he wanted everything as accurate as he possibly could to the original. But of course, what do you do about getting these these switches? So I guess if if Tim and I hadn't or he hadn't learned of this little amateur project that we had going on, uh, he would have probably had to get them custom made at tremendous expense. Yeah, it would have been hundreds per set. Yeah, you know, it's, let's say he got thirty sets made for spares they would have been it would cost him three four thousand pounds it would have cost him a custom made a load of money and um what you know i've obviously been at yours and we you showed me the wafers and then i've seen the finished product in the guidance and i've got a set in my own homemade because tim and tim was very good at lending me or giving me a set to try to to test before andy got his and they're fantastic made things and they're a thing of beauty in themselves but but even so you know that the the it still needs modifying yeah. so the the the, the toughenol <laughs> only come in two mil thickness so yeah. that's just too thick yeah and with something that small you know the, the, the originals are 1.8 mil i yeah. think so <laughs> the, the, it's just wrong and it, it, it probably won't you know that if you had to fold the metal chassis around something that's just slightly too thick, it won't work. Yep. So Andy then had to, I, I just cut the, the, the toughenol and just give him a bag of, well, gave Tim a bag of them. But Andy still had to manually abrade down those that two mil yep. thick piece to what to the correct thickness. Yes. So it, yet again, you can't just knock stuff out with CNC. No. Oh, for, you know, you, you can't. And it just shows you the guitar as well. Nothing is off the shelf. Absolutely nothing is a go to a guitar store and buy something. There's no part of that guitar that is no. off the shelf at all. And that just makes it so much more special, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, and it, and it is red and very, very special.
Well, Doug, it's been an absolutely fantastic two and a half hours chatting to you about... It's never been two and a half hours. Oh, my goodness. It has. I'm sure my wife will shoot me in a minute. But <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been great to see you again, Good. Doug, and catch up with you on your Likewise. story so far. Yeah, thanks. And I'm sure over the next few years, you will add some stories to your tale and we'll catch up again and see where you are then. Someday we'll be the old timers in this community, John. <laughs> Quite possibly, if I'm still allowed to be involved in it. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thanks very much, John, for having me on the podcast. It's been great to come to your house and the kids to play together in the garden. And the weather is absolutely stunning here in Devon. And um, yeah, the the uh, the ambience is much better when you're in the same room, isn't Definitely. it? As we, you heard on the, the Guyton podcast, yeah. so it's, it's great. I don't think it wouldn't have just wouldn't have been the same doing it over Zoom. It'd be no, quite awkward. So. Not at all. It's great um, to see you as well, Doug. Because um, yeah, it's been a, what over a year and a bit since. We... Yeah, we've kind of just. I feel like I've just withdrawn a bit um, over the last year and just just got my head down with work and all my other stuff and then the, the website yep. which takes you to be a lot more work than I thought it would be <laughs> it's a common theme here Doug uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah I hope it's so the material's useful yep no thank you very much and um, yeah we'll see you again soon thank you and that was the conversation with Doug and what a brilliant conversation I think that was it always seems better when the podcast is recorded live in the room with someone rather than across Zoom and it was so great that Doug was able to come up with his family and spend the time with us in the garden. And we had fantastic weather and also to record the podcast for everyone. It was a, it was a great time. Um, so hopefully moving forward, we'll be able to do that a lot more with people who I speak to. Um, we've got one more podcast, which we don't have video for, which is the next one after this one. And then from then on, all podcasts will be having video to go with them. So if you want to watch and see the guests I'm speaking to, then head on over to YouTube and you'll be able to see who that is. And again, as normal, I just want to thank everyone for listening, watching, sending comments, your support. It means the world to me that this is interesting to you all, and I really hope that you're getting something from it. And um, yeah, there's some more to come this year. 2022 is going to be a big year. We've got some news coming up in the next few videos about a meetup or two, and um, hopefully you'll be able to stick around and find out what I'm talking about. You all stay safe. And I'll catch you in the next one.